Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 48. It's March, a brand new month. Um, for anyone who who isn't on like, you know, doesn't follow me on Facebook or Instagram, um, I've been releasing so many new exciting things um, for Masks, my new album. Um, I, I know I've told you there was a single out on February 14th, but in the past week um i've announced the official cover photo um i've released an official trailer for the album with another like little teaser from another song and my favorite thing of all time which is like the biggest thing that i want to announce specifically here on the podcast is um i hired an amazing visual artist to do an adult coloring book page for every every single one of the songs, like as a kind of a companion piece. Um, and the reason I want to tell you guys about it as Artifice listeners is, you know, it's such a big part of my value system um, to encourage art and creativity in all kinds of people. So, you know, as I was putting together this album and trying to think about how to incorporate all the things that I care about. Um, I really wanted to find a way to make something that, you know, everyone could kind of contribute to with their own creativity. And I felt like a coloring book was like a really wonderful way to do that. And I'm, I'm so excited about it. I was actually like on the, on the day that I had the idea for the coloring book, um, I got so excited and I made this like very vague post on Facebook. So, um, when I, when I announced the, uh, the coloring book last week, I, I, I wanted to go back and see like what was that actual date so I could I could think about for how long I've been kind of keeping a secret about this and the date that I had the idea was August 29th. So it's finally like coming true and becoming real. Um so uh so yeah, I'm really excited about that. I I can't wait to um be able to make these pages available. I'm, I'm going to save them. Uh, I posted one of the pages, but I'm, I'm going to wait and save the rest until the official album launch in on May 8th. Um, there is going to be like a way to get the pages early, um, which I will announce later. Um, and if you're on my mailing list, you're going to get that announcement early. Um, and actually, if you're on my mailing list, you're you're probably going to get the pages a little early. Um, so that's a little incentive for you. But uh, I can't wait to start seeing people coloring the pages and then sending me like, you know, their creations. It, it's just, um, I think it's a fairly easy way for someone who wants to be creative, but doesn't really know maybe where to begin to start because, you know, everybody can color. Uh, it's, it's already beautiful. The lines are there for you. Um, you can fill them in however you want. And um, the specific pages that we have are, are like a little fantastical. So you can really use any colors. It's very exciting. Anyway, I've been talking about this way too long. Today's guest is Jared Kwan. I loved talking with Jared. Um, you know, I know I probably say this all the time, but it's such an immense joy to meet someone that I've just never met before and feel like I leave the conversation with like, brand new things to think about, um, brand new things to feel like inspired by and like buzzy about. And I really felt that way um, after my conversation with Jared. So I'm going to read you his bio now. 
Jared Kwan is published in genres from spy thriller to horror supernatural to fantasy comedy. His works include Changing Wax, Prepped, and Last Outpost on Zombie Highway. He served the community in key roles with the League of Utah Writers, Storymakers, Cultural Arts Society of West Jordan, EMAA, Big World Network, TEDx Salt Lake City, UVU Book Academy, Utah Poet Laureate Selection Committee, AITP, and for countless events and organizations. Jared has received Gold Volunteer Service Awards from the President of the United States, awards from Utah State Governor and Lieutenant Governor for his more than 2,000 hours of service to the writing community from 2015 to 2019. Okay, everybody, here comes Jared. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, and sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by The Voice Straw. Back in episode 36, I interviewed Justin Timberlake's voice teacher, the amazing Mindy Pack. Mindy just launched this incredible new product designed to improve the quality of singing and vocal performance through science and proper technique. The Voice Straw is a vocal training tool for singers, actors, and speakers. It helps relieve tension, strain, breathiness, cracking, and flipping in the voice. Scientifically shown to improve singing technique, a must-have tool for anyone looking for vocal success. Head to www.voicestraw.com and enter promo code ARTIFICE10, that's all caps, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-1-0, for 10% off your purchase today. with having headphone hair for the rest of the day. Ah, no <laughs> it, problem. It shouldn't, it probably won't affect your hair. I'll <laughs> no. get a, I'll get a big crease like right here in the front. <laughs> Does everything feel good? You ready yeah. to get started? Yeah, I think we're, Great. I think we're pretty good. Um, I'll just have my notebook in case I want to remember something, but usually I don't use it. Um, well, welcome. It's great to have you here. Um, I like to start with people at the beginning and start with, um, tell me how you were as a creative child. So like what were kind of like the first things you were doing creatively as a little kid, R regardless of whether they're related to what you're doing now? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I think when I was a kid, I played a lot with Legos. Yeah, I was a huge Lego kid. Matter of fact, uh, I would just be, there'd be like a room full of cool toys and I would seek out the Legos and just start building stuff. Yeah. And these amazing biters and bases and things. Yeah. How did you decide like what you were going to build? Like, I, I think my question is really like, which parts of it felt creative to you? Like, did it feel creative in like a mechanical way or did it feel creative in like an imagination way? In, an imagination oh. way. Definitely. Cool. I, I, I was definitely a Star Trek, Star Wars kid. Yeah. I wanted to create the next starfighter and the next base and the, the, yeah. the next evil empire to overcome. Yeah. So you had these big, like elaborate, you know, full pictures in your mind and were wanting to make something tangible to mm -hmm. kind of like 
bring your imagination into reality. Mm-hmm. Does that feel right? Yeah. Yeah. So how old were you when, when that was like the main creative thing you were doing? So, I mean, that was uh, up until like fourth grade when I yeah. discovered writing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. T- tell me about that. How, I mean, okay. First, I, sh- I want to ask, were you reading before? Were you reading? So I wasn't. Okay. Um, matter of fact, uh, when I made it to the fourth grade, there were a lot of teachers who were concerned. But back when I was going through school, it was yeah. kind of like a usual thing for kids to struggle a little bit, but you move them on to the next grade yeah. kind of thing. But I had learned how to fake it. Yeah. And teachers suspected this. They're mm. like, does he really know how to read and write yeah. at this point? Or is he kind of just like yeah. memorizing? Were you memorizing? This? Yeah. And yeah. and I was memorizing. And yeah. it was um my uh, my fourth grade teacher who was like, Okay, this is yeah. a, a serious problem. Yeah. We gotta figure it out. <laughs> and what I loved was so it was like all of the el- uh, great elements came together. She would read um C. S. Lewis books. Yeah. And it's not that my parents didn't, my parents read books to me, but um, this is the first time like I like fully delved into yeah, like a world. Wow, this yeah. is so powerful! Just hearing the words and imagining it yeah. really deep, and that was the first time my school had gotten computers, mm. had gotten a grant from um, Apple, so they had these the Apple IIe. Yeah. So that dates me a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, my handwriting was atrocious. And I had all these imagine uh, these grand visions. Yeah. And for the first time, I could get it down into something legible. You know, people could yeah. understand. It, yeah, yeah, could yeah, Translate my handwriting, and yeah. that's when I started writing. And, okay, cool. And developing. Yeah. I definitely have more questions about that, but I'm curious. So before that point, you were you were we were watching TV and movies, mm-hmm. and getting all of your kind of creative input that way. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then once you learned, once you started being able to read, then did you have, I mean, with, with like the Narnia books, I mean, I realized those were being like read to you, right? They were being read to you. Right. But, um, I think I want to know how you felt different about the experience of like hearing words and coming up with your own pictures versus like movies or TV. Like, did that do something different in your mind? It did. It like unlocked like the next level of yeah. creativity in me. Now, like as as a kid, you know, before then, of course, I'd run around with friends and we would yeah. imagine, play and, yeah. yeah, play pretend, and, and it was always cool. But but I didn't realize how limited yeah. I had made myself yeah. <laughs> until yeah. until this new medium like really opened up. Suddenly, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's like a bright light. Yeah. Can you describe like what felt like more interesting to you about like a story without pictures? It's it's that. Um, in my mind, it was so much more detailed. Yeah. Right. Like the the budget yeah. for the films in my in my right. mind were so much higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I love to ask people about this because you know, I I have this a beautiful opportunity to interview visual artists and artists who aren't visual artists, which could be you know musicians, writers, chefs. I mean, I guess that's visual art kind of too. <laughs> um, but I I do think it's interesting, like the difference between like those of us who, who want to work in a visual medium versus other mediums. And, and that's why I'm, I've, I'm curious, like, I mean, certainly a visual medium was inspiring to you, mm-hmm. but, oh, for uh, sure. but without the visual, you can kind of, you could 
have more control over your visual. Exactly. Feel, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. So, um, so you started writing first, mm-hmm. um, before you were, or were, you were starting to write and then starting to read more. Right. I presume. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> those, those two pieces started to, to connect. Yeah. The more I started to write, the more I started to read. And so develop. can you talk to me about the relationship between those things? Like, um, maybe start with like, what were you, what kind of stuff were you writing about? And then how did your writing change based on like what you were reading? And Oh yeah. Um, so initially when I started writing, I had, uh, this mixture of like these great ideas and, uh, what experiences I had had. Yeah. And so, um, for instance, uh, my grandfather would, he wouldn't talk very much about, uh, being in, in World War II, but there were like little inklings and yeah. I wanted to write about this. I wanted yeah. to develop, uh, my thoughts and what, and what he had uh, told me into more of a story. Yeah. So I started putting this down and as I started reading, suddenly I realized, okay, my stories are more, I'm telling you what this is as opposed right. to like a real right. story with right. plot and direction and development Yeah. and, and, uh, and theme, right? Like those pieces yeah. were all, were all missing, even though there was good content, it just didn't mm. have great direction. Yeah. Um, you said something that I thought was interesting. Uh, you 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 had like little e- bits, like little inklings of what your grandfather was talking about. I I feel like the um, desire or or uh, urge or whatever to like take those little bits and like put a story around them is is kind of unique. I mean, especially for like what a, a fifth grader. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'd love for you to just. I don't know, maybe like shed some insight on like what you think like your your mind was like, like at that age and kind of like if you have thoughts about what kind of inspired you to like take these little things that weren't stories and like make them stories. I know it's kind of like a yeah, hard question. That's a good, yeah, I'm well, like, that's I, a deep question. I mean, I, th- I believe that we as artists and also just as people tend to kind of take for granted sometimes like the things about our minds that are sort of like unique. Mm-hmm. And and that sounds like one of those things to me. Like, I don't know that many like, you know, 10, 11 year olds would, would have that kind of like a thought where like there's a little thing. And so I, I, I don't know, like if you can kind of reflect on what that was and like whether you think it's important to you. Yeah, for sure. I think it came partially from I'd watched and and devoured so much uh, television before I learned how to write. So I really enjoyed all the stories that were being told, Mm. especially since like I I was obviously watching reruns of MASH. That was one of the things like. (laughs) Oh, I see. Yeah. And I would watch, you know, reruns of of, uh, war movies and things. But. And then I would get these stories from my grandfather that were different than what you, I was seeing. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, this is something that I would love to share. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So you had so you had the those... sense of a framework mm-hmm. of the military. Yes. And then you had these like more real human like personal elements. Is that is that maybe kind of right? So maybe we'll, do you do you kind of feel like what it was is like you were drawing a you are putting a thread between right. those things. Does yes. that, does that feel right? I think, I think that's, that's spot on. Yeah. Once I had these pieces together, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to go this direction, which was fascinating to my teachers as well. They're yeah. like, why did you choose totally. 
you know, war to write about right. here. Like <laughs> you, you're not in a war. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, so it was really interesting developing it and then um, starting to develop uh, um, stories. And so as I started reading, I would take those war stories and then translate them into more of like a, a reader friendly, which would be like a fantasy environment. Sure. Yeah. But take the same similar experiences and go, okay, the few things I know, yeah. I'm going to put them into this. Right. And then when my friends read them, they're like, wow, this is really this cool. This feels honest. Yes. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I agree with your teachers. That's a sophisticated <coughs> way for a child to be thinking. Mm. I think, um, I, I mean, and I, and I would, you know, I, I talk with people a lot about like those, those of us who have made creativity uh, an important part of our adult lives, um, I, I think it's easy for people and including ourselves to imagine that that creativity like was extra when we were kids too. <laughs> and I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true, but I, I am fascinated by like, what's the through line between like your childhood creativity and your adult creativity and that like seeing patterns and making connections. Certainly that's like, that's a writer's, that's the root of a good writer. Don't you think? I mean, not yeah. that it's the only root, but like mm -hmm. I can, I can see how like that, um, you know, skill or predisposition would, would lead you to become a writer. Do you feel like that thing or that way of like seeing things? Do you feel like you learned that? Do you feel like it's like your personality? Like, where do you think it came from? That's, uh, that's another great question. I think it's very mysterious. I was a very, uh, I was a very eclectic kid, um, growing up, right? Like I, um, played a lot of soccer and so I, I played a lot of sports, uh, when it came to when I was young, but at the same time I was kind of set apart in school. I had a learning disability, right. so they put me in special classes and I was separated. So that made it tough with peers sometimes. Right. Yeah. And, uh, um, but then I had this writing thing, but then I loved like, devouring video games and movies. So I was so like broad yeah. mm. that when I would um, talk with friends, it didn't matter which group of kids, like I had one piece in common with them. Right. But uh, at the end of it all, the one piece that seemed to be more more common was the writing. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. I, I saw that I could influence I people. I can unite my mm -hmm. things with... Yeah. Exactly. Do you, So you feel like maybe this ability to kind of see connections and, and, uh, and, and through lines maybe was born out of like your experience of feeling like you needed to connect all of your things together. Does yes. that, does that, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it came definitely from that. I also can't think it came as a, a little bit of a defense mechanism, um, because I'd struggled in school because yeah. I was separated. Like I was so desperate to, make sure I had connections, but it was also like a little bit of a defense mechanism. Okay. I yeah. feel safe in this, right. but I can connect all these pieces and then, Oh, now I can connect with these kids. Right. Like wrapping your arms around, like, I mean, just for the listeners, like the visual is like wrapping your arms around, like all of these things mm -hmm. that you care about and, and drawing lines between them so that exactly. they're, they're connected together. Yeah. And I do also think that's interesting that you had, you know, I don't know, maybe the gut instinct at, at a young age 
to have like the core of what you're doing be like your experience, like a, like, or, or some, the experience of someone close to you, but starting with like a real human element, your grandpa or like your own experience. Um, and then putting these kind of bigger, more like fantastic, um, surroundings and storylines. That's, that's, I think that's interesting. Um, just, you know, the ability to kind of like see a bigger picture, but like have the core of it be something like probably very simple, very, very Mm -hmm. like real and very human. Um, I I like that. So tell me how your writing started to like evolve from like something you were kind of interested in to something that was like maybe a skill that you were getting like recognition for or feeling more, you know, uh, like pride about or something. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so in, I want to say it was like my transition into junior high. I think junior high is a tough year for all kids. Yeah. But I, so I wrote a lot in junior high, a lot of, a lot of feelings, a lot of, um, yeah, different stories. And as I was doing this, um, like there was so many emotions and I'd share these stories with friends and my friends would be like, nobody else I know is doing this. Like, this is really, really fascinating. Yeah. And so I'd started working harder on it. I wanted to do that more. Yeah. So when I made it into high school, I said, I really want to make a real concerted effort to write some coherent stories that were worth um, maybe getting published someday. Sure. Yeah. That was a, that was the big goal. Wow. That's so young to be like thinking that way. That's (laughs) awesome. It was kind of funny. Um, in like, I think it was one of my freshman classes, my, my teacher said, if you could accomplish one thing in your lifetime, what would it be? And, and, uh, at that point I had, um, incredibly naively put, uh, to publish a book that would sell more than the Bible. <laughs> that's <laughs> no, never happening. <laughs> no, that's, it's not. That's not happening to but, anyone. <laughs> but very ambitious goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but publishing was always on my, on my mind. It was, it was always at some yeah. point going to evolve into this next step. Yeah. And so I started writing deeper and longer stories, started yeah. really, um, focusing. And it was kind of interesting, uh, in the middle of that journey, I started discovering di- the different styles or different types of writing. Mm. I joined the school newspaper, mm. um, in the newspaper I was on, it was like, there were like a hundred kids. So I was like, I had one article that made right. it into the newspaper and that's the first time I learned what editors do. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, I'm like, that was my article. Uh, oh, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, okay. Wait, I've, okay. I have questions about, about previous. So you started writing these stories for yourself, like to kind mm-hmm. of process, right. Is, is yes. that right? Like you just, you had feelings, you got to get them out. Um, I do that, but with talking, mm-hmm. like I, I'm a very like, I'm an out loud processor <laughs> <laughs> yes. to the, you know, to the, to the pleasure or dismay of those around me. <laughs> but, um, I'm, I'm so curious about, um, if you can remember, like, what was it like making the decision to show one of those to someone? So it was really tough. Like early on, it was easy to show teachers. Okay. This is what I'm. This is what I'm doing. And were you, were you, sorry? I have a question even about that. Were you, were you showing teachers because it was an assignment, or were you just writing something and then being like, "Hey, Mrs. Whatever, will you read this?" Yeah. So Wh- which um, one of those things was it? So both? it was that I produced something, to, you know, outside of assignment. I'm like, hey, okay. I did this yeah. thing. You know, can you take a look at this thing? Brave to me. You know, and at the same time, I think I was looking for. 
you know, a bit of a, of approval and yeah. also to let my teachers know, even though I was in these, you know, uh, uh, yeah. special classes that, Hey, I'm still a normal kid and yeah. I'm doing these other things. Yeah. Just so you like see me, like yeah. understand what I am. Yeah. That, but even so that, that feels very, um, that feels brave to me. Like, do, do you remember ever feeling like worried about what they would say or did you just feel like I'm confident about this and I need you to know that I'm doing it? <laughs> That's a good question. I think uh, initially I didn't have any concerns. I think the more effort I put into the stories, yeah. the more nervous I, I became on what the review right. would be, like what yeah. the feedback would be. How old were you when you started showing things to teachers that weren't assignments? So, I mean, I did that right right in fourth grade when I started. Wow. Because uh, what, what yeah. I did is I was able to, I was in a couple of after-school programs working with computers, and I'd excelled on um, being able to do this mm. programming stuff so that I had free time. Mm. So that I knew the programs, so I would write in okay. there. And then I would show the teacher in there. The after school program. In the after-school program. Yeah, that program. feels significant, I think. <laughs> like the fact that it's an after-school program, that you had maybe like a slightly different relationship with the teachers, mm -hmm. that, that feels important. That feels like important to note. I, I want to also ask, like, what were your parents doing? Like, were, were you showing them things? Yeah, I think uh, what I would do is I would, I would print them off, and my and I was very fortunate. My dad had was an accountant and had a computer at home mm. when most kids didn't. Yeah, we didn't have a computer at my house until yeah. like two thousand. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I was like thirteen and was like, "Listen, we need a computer." <laughs> <laughs> right, time to catch up. Well, yeah, I was uh, I was very fortunate. We had always been. Um, around the computers and technology. And so I wrote at home and, and I would, you know, share things at home. Yeah. And then, you know, they would say, this is really cool. Your parents were supportive. Yeah, they were yeah. very, they were supportive. Yeah, that's really what I'm wondering. You know, I had, um, my parents were, were, were not supportive people, kind of abusive, emotionally abusive, um, and, and certainly not supportive of creativity. Um, like, I mean, if they were supportive of things, it wasn't, it wasn't that. Um, and so when I was like, I, I have, um, my fourth grade teacher in particular, uh, is such an important person to my life. She was like the first person to tell me like, Hey, you're creative and like this creativity matters. And that was the beginning, I think for me of feeling like I was going to seek out um, guidance and like approval from my teachers instead of my parents. So I, does that make sense? Oh yeah. And, yeah. uh, and mm -hmm. so I think I just was wondering if like, you know, this, this kind of, um, you know, validation is, is not the word that I'm looking for, but like, you know, like a nurture or like an mm -hmm. approval or like, um, guidance, you know, even from your teachers, just, I was curious, like what parts of those things you were also getting at home? Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting. I mean, at home, um, I, I grew up in a large family, right? Mm. I have uh, four sisters and two brothers, okay. so there are a lot of kids, yeah. and um, and so sometimes it would be difficult to stand sure. out a little you bit. Needed, like a little more. Yeah. <laughs> now I was fortunate; I was the second oldest, so I got a little bit more attention than some of the, yeah. some of the other kids. <laughs> I got to use the computer more than um, most of the other kids. Most of the yeah. other kids actually weren't super interested into the computers mm. until later on. Um, but I was, you know, passionate yeah. about doing it. I'm like, here, look, look, I can do these little things. And yeah. 
It was really cool. Okay, cool. So you you had support at home and then we're also starting to show things to your teachers. And then, yeah, so how did you make the decision to start showing things to your friends? <laughs> yes. Because that is also different. Yes. Yeah. So the first time I decided to show it to a friend, it's because I'd written a friend into the story. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was um, uh, a little bit of an experience that we had as friends. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to write. And I wrote like fiction around it. And I'm like, here, check out this story. Yeah, and yeah, they're, yeah. and uh, they're like, wow, this is so cool. And they were super excited. Mm. They felt they felt important yeah. because they were written into the, a yeah. story. It did was that surprise you? Like, it did. Yeah. I, I had uh, didn't understand the power of stories, really. I mean, like mm. the teachers would say, this is good work. Yeah. You know, keep working on this, yeah. my parents. Good work. Keep working on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when uh, my friends... I could see um, a change in their like a demeanor. Spark, yeah, yeah, and and yeah. like influence wow. them. And then I had written, um, you know, some short stories that some of my friends were in. And uh, if it had like a negative downturn, they were really bummed. I yeah. could see like I was, yeah. I was changing was, their right. moods. And, can, and I'm yeah. like, wow, I can this influence. This is really powerful. Right. This is incredible. I have powerful. such similar experiences with like with singing. Um, like my 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 you know, kind of childhood experiences of watching, like watching people's faces change, like as I'm kind of storytelling through song um, and, and feeling like, wow, this is really powerful. And not in like a creepy, like power hungry way, but just Uh like how interesting that like something that I'm doing can produce a different emotion in someone else. And just being like, I think I felt like very fascinated by that as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then of course you started writing more things to show I your did. friends. Yeah. And it was interesting because I would start, uh, using like experimenting. Yeah. I would right. uh, see what the limits of totally. emotions you could, how fo- could yeah. I make a friend like super angry at me? Could I make yeah. them, could I make somebody like love me? Could yeah. I make that, you know, what could I do with yeah, this yeah, writing? Yeah. How old were you when you started thinking like that? So that was like junior high, high school. Okay. Was where I'm like, That's so how can I, how, what can I, and, and uh, manipulate is a really strong word, but how can I influence totally. them? I mean, the I'm writing? so with you. Like I, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding what you're saying. Um, yeah. I think that that also is another one of these, like just the same as I was saying with like hearing your grandpa talk about something and then thinking like, this isn't like MASH, but MASH has compelling visuals. Like how can I, you know, right. I, I also think that this thing you're saying right now of like, I started experimenting, like pushing <laughs> kind of the limits that also, I mean, as a teacher of teenagers, I think that is rare, that type of thinking. Um, did you have any sense back then that you were just like, I don't, I don't, I'm not talking so much about what you were doing. Like certainly writing stories was mm-hmm. kind of rare, but like, did you have any sense that like the way your mind was working was un- like unusual? Yes. Uh, for, for certain. Yeah. How did that, like, what did you think about it? <coughs> and, and what do you think about it now reflecting? Like, so, can you- so it's interesting. And, um, I had a good friend who put out a, a, a Facebook post that said, you know, how are you different and yeah. how has that affected your life? Yeah, yeah. I'm so into that question, which is right. what this podcast is. Exactly. Yeah. So growing, <laughs> and I and I said in there, I said, growing up being different made growing up tough. Yeah. It was hard because yeah. though I could, you know, relate in certain ways with some people, 
just relating in a singular way with somebody. I was on the same soccer team with some people. Mm -hmm. Didn't mean I was friends with them. Doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that you can go hang out with them and it's going to be fine. Right. Um, And so my mind working so differently, I'd have different ideas or different suggestions would sometimes land me as the um, outlier in in groups. Uh, And I formed some very great friends who were outliers of their groups. Yeah. Um, And some weren't necessarily outliers, but they weren't as participant. Sure. And so we uh, formed these really strong groups. So I knew I was different. I think my parents knew (laughs) knew that also. And that's why they encouraged some of this stuff. I was like writing and and doing like, hey, why don't you, let's give you more opportunity to be creative because we can see this as your thing. That's so amazing. Your thing. I'm like a little jealous of it. <laughs> yeah, I was I was very fortunate. Like I I mean, I can't say like I like for a long time I had like this humongous bin full of Legos. Even into high school, I would still yeah. build stuff on occasion just to build something. Yeah. Sometimes I'd build them with with um my siblings and then, you know, have these grand wars. But um yeah. I always knew that I was my thinking was different. Yeah. You had I a was, sense that you're yeah, and, and uh, fully relate to that. And it was kind of fascinating how it would manifest itself. So, uh, for one, um, in high school during lunch, a bunch of kids would uh, see that I was just kind of off to my myself for a while, and yeah. they're like, "Hey, come do this thing with us. We go play chess during lunch." Mm. I'm like, "Awesome, Sounds let's go great. play yeah. chess." <laughs> I mean, I played chess before, and they're like, "Neat, um, let's go in there." And we we played during lunch. We'd just play chess. The, yeah. The um, science teacher was yeah. the math, uh, chess teacher, and she'd be in there and just watching the kids. Yeah. And um, so I'd, I'd probably gone in there for for like, I don't know, two weeks. Yeah. And then she's like, you know, why don't you play this kid? I'm like, okay. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I play this kid, and the game went really well. Like, I was like, wow, this is this yeah. is a good game. Yeah. This is intense. Yeah. And, and then he beat me. And uh, come to find out that guy was the... The first the seed on the chess little team. champ, yeah. 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 And uh and I didn't and the guy's like, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. This guy's got some real skills. Wow, yeah. And I'm like and the teacher's like, What have you done to study chess to compete yeah. at this? Yeah. I'm like, uh, I've, never, I've only played yeah. chess a couple of oh times. Gosh, I love this story. You know, like I <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it's and um and I there was I like this that. physical evidence of your brain like doing something different. Yeah, it's doing something. Yeah. Di- it just thought so differently than yeah. than when you you put the board in front of a, oh. an, another person. Yeah, and that's so amazing. Like, wow, that I, was really fun. <laughs> I love that story. I love that you like I. I I'm totally projecting a little, but uh, <laughs> I I had I had a sense as a pretty little kid that my brain worked in a different way, and. uh and I never, I never had the experience of someone, um, showing me that that was positive, uh, like really ever. Like I feel like I'm discovering it. Like I started, I started thinking like, maybe this thing that I know is different about me can be productive. Um, in my like late twenties, like I, I sincerely, like I never had a teacher or a mentor, mentor be like. Hey, this is what you can use this for, or like, do you see how you're using this in this way? Um, and so I, I love that that you, while you were in these difficult years in your life, because like, yeah, high school. I mean, 
even if you're like popular in high school, <laughs> your brain is not f- developed. You mm-hmm. know, like it's a difficult time just to, it, biologically. Like it's a difficult time in terms of like your, your human development. So to have kind of at least some glimmers of this insight into the way that your unique way of thinking could have these kind of like interesting and sort of magical like effects, I think is really profound. That feels profound to me. (laughs) So how did you feel about it then? Like when you kind of had this thought of like, oh, my brain's doing something different. Like what did, how did you feel about it? So it's, it's funny because I mean, um, I, I enjoyed the creativity that would come from being different and thinking differently. Yeah. But I was always frustrated that it would always keep me on the outer edges of social groups. Totally. And so um, it took me, because of that, sometimes I would I would try to, to force myself into a situation that's more, this is what the other kids are doing. Mm. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to be like the other kids. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything that's different, right? Yeah. I'm not going to. And, um, and so there were times where I was really frustrated with thinking differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how I felt, but only that. <laughs> I didn't have like the other side. When you said that, I was like, mm, yes, I totally get that. <laughs> right. And, um. and that's a, yeah, it, it always was a struggle. Now it's interesting because like I was terrified. So I'd played soccer for seven years and I was pretty good at, at playing soccer. Yeah, you but had when that I got to high strategy, school, strategy, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, it, and when I got to high school, I was, I just had this deep fear. I'd already planted in my mind that mm-hmm. I'm going to a place where there's kids who are way better than me. Yeah. Interesting. And yeah. when I went to go try out for sorry, the soccer team. High school. High school. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So when I went to uh, to go try out for the freshman team, I um, went to the wrong place and saw that the, the varsity players just like messing around. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm right. It confirmed everything yeah. that I, oh, I no. feared. Yeah. And so I, I thought, oh, I'll go try out for the freshman football team. I never played football before. And I'm like, that wasn't going to be a thing. Ended up joining ROTC partially because I was kind of looking for a, a, thing. a group to be yeah. with, right? To Because yeah. that's what, I mean, in high school, that's kind of part what, what we look for too is like, I want to be a part of right. something. You got to find your tribe. You exactly. like You have to. It's like, it's a survival thing. And so I, I yeah. did. I joined uh, ROTC uh, in in high school and it's the Navy version. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, incredible because it was, it did some things for me. My because I was I was uh, outside the box thinking, it also made me a bit unruly. Um, yeah. My parents would say, yeah. <laughs> "They, I'm sure uh, I can't tell you how many times my dad had mentioned maybe uh, taking me to a military academy." Yeah, because I would I would be frustrated and I wouldn't always express it just in writing. I would get into arguments or things, yeah. and, and I'm like, and when I got into high school and I joined ROTC, it was. I, I started to see things differently because yeah. it was very disciplined and very organized mm-hmm. and very, this is, if you want the maximized things, you have to put them in a certain order. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was revolutionary yeah. to me. Did that, I mean, was that totally different from like your kind of instinctual way of thinking, which yeah. I'm sure is this very like yeah, all out over. and around. And, yes. Yeah. Which uh, is why you're good at chess. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just uh, all, all <laughs> And why you're good at writing. And yeah. so it was interesting because because I was I was um, different. It still struggled in ROTC. It wasn't like yeah, the greatest. it wasn't like intuitive, right? Yeah. Exactly. But totally, I learned so many uh, valuable lessons early from that. Yeah, when it came to it, and 
balance probably. I mean, you that's probably, exactly yeah. it, it started to bring me to a, to a center point and also started to teach me how I can take my unique thoughts and organize them better productively. Yeah. yeah. How, how yeah. can I, how can I do this yeah. better? Um, can you be more specific? Like how that affected your writing? Yeah. Uh, so I or mean, how I, it affected what's around your writing, I guess. I started writing a lot more war Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with RTC. Of course um, you did. A lot of, a lot of naval stuff. Yeah. I, I found it fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but, um, my writing became, uh, better organized and I was starting oh, yeah. to complete projects instead of like longer projects instead of like, cause I was good at producing five page short stories yeah. and sharing that with right. friends. Uh, and even doing something kind of serial like, yeah. Um, but like little episodes. Exactly. Kind of, yeah. Exactly. They're like, Oh, what happened this week? Yeah. Um, so then in that point, then I had tried to write longer stories, but I'd always give up. I'd yeah. get frustrated. Yeah. I wouldn't, um, you're, you're not intuitively like prone to longevity. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And I would get like a dozen other story ideas that I would get excited right. about and then just distracted. Right. Yeah. Go on yeah, and go yeah. off to the side. So, um, yeah, when I got into the RTC, that's the first time I'd written, uh, like it was like a 220 page story and I was super proud of it. I'm like, wow, that I did this thing. Yeah. And it, it was partially because I had learned to be more disciplined. Right. Totally. Yeah. Well, sorry, were you, what, go, yeah, go no, ahead. No, that, I felt that, like that, exactly. that was the end. No, that yeah. was because, because, it, uh, RTC, I started to learn that, yeah. that discipline and organization. Oh, I this is so amazing. I have so many thoughts. Um, I, I have a similar experience, but in the opposite, like I'm, I am intuitively like very, um, I plan, like I am very good at like seeing the beginning, seeing the end and seeing like then seeing a middle, like that is my brain like maps that way. Just, I, it's not hard for me. That's just what I'm good at. Um, improvising is, is really hard for me. I plan really easily. Improvising is hard. And I have a master's degree in jazz performance, <laughs> um, which I think was like my ROTC. Like mm. I, I, I sort of had, uh, I had a, an idea or like a, a feeling that forcing my brain to work on that stuff would, would, uh, would give me that balance, like would kind of balance me out in a way. Um, so I, I can relate to that feeling of like, you know, the thing that you're intuitive, which is easy to take for granted. I'm glad that you didn't seem to be taking it for granted as a, as a youth. <laughs> um, and then like taking that thing and like, and balancing it with something that's not intuitive, that's difficult for you, but that like together allows your kind of creative potential to like explode. Um, so I think I, I want to ask, do you feel like you know, I'm, I'm always interested in like the origins of creativity. I'm also interested in like what makes the difference between like someone who started out creative and continues to be creative and someone who kind of stops. So I think I want to ask, like, do you, do you feel like the, like, I don't know if the right word is desire, but like, just, I don't know the fact that you spent time on something that wasn't intuitive for you. Do you feel like that choice is unique? Like, I mean, do you feel like, do you feel like a lot of people in your position would have made the same choice? Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's a great question. And I, and I always wonder what had happened if I'd got 
gone to you the right to practice field, yeah, right? Totally. And in and in any sports, of course, there's there's some discipline and some organization, but not the same right. as the hard yeah. organization. Um, I like don't you know. said, soccer was more like chess. Yeah, yeah, and right. More strategy, more more being out there, and and uh, I don't know, like picking up the things I did. Sometimes it just would I I would just naturally adapt pieces in without thinking about them. Yeah. And it wasn't until later when I reflected and went, Oh, oh I, I see what, what that was. I see what that did totally. that happened there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm curious about it because yeah, like I mean I'm I'm struggling to like ask a question because I'm kind of just like thinking about it. But you know, the the one question is like, what is the origin of creativity? And like if if I'm inclined to think that like for you personally, some of that, like what we're going to call creativity is that like different thing in your brain Mm -hmm. that was just like, and you know, it's so like nature, nurture, like, you know, but that like mapping thing, uh, just like landed so well in writing. Like, it's so clear that that's like a connection to your creativity. Mm -hmm. So maybe the first question is like, do you think, I'll just ask you, do you think like, most people have some version of that. Like, obviously not everyone is that or it wouldn't be different. You know, I actually think they do. I think a lot of people start with, with, um, with some creative pieces in there. Yeah. Um, there was a, there was of course a fantastic Ted talk. I love Ted talks. Yeah, me too. (laughs) That was, that asked if, if school kills creativity, Yeah. which I don't think it does all the way, but I think it depends on the, the, it's risky. The type of pressure the parents put on the, the parents, kid, the type yeah. of um, where the kid feels like they need to be, yeah. you know, and I think that for themselves, they can quash that creative yeah. that they had or hide it in a box. Yeah. There's some people where um, they've retired and they were a lawyer for years and all of a sudden they're like, you know what? I, I had this creative thing I hid under the bed for totally. years. Totally. And now I'm going to do, yeah. I do think that everybody has a little bit of something in there, whether that it gets, it develops. Yeah. That's really the, the I, toughest thing. I tend to agree with you. I was just talking about this with my husband the other day. Um, he's very like, I think he's kind of cynical about it and I'm super like, uh, I'm an optimist about this thing or maybe optimism isn't even the right word, but like, I tend to think that like almost everyone, um, everyone who's, you know, like healthy, um, and I, I, that can mean any sort of things like emotionally, physically, whatever. But I, I tend to think that most, most people have some version of like that thing that you, you know, through circumstances were able to sort of discover, but some personal version of like, what is that, um, like, this is my like weird way of thinking that like when put in the right medium, can be like extremely creative, whether that's art or whether it's science or whether it's political thought or what, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I tend to think that rather than, you know, some people are creative and some people aren't the difference between, you know, whether we stay creative in our adulthood is more like this. Do, do we have this ROTC thing? Like, do, do we have this other moment where like we can see our thing having a function. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. So my second question is like, do you think that when, when posed with this, like, you know, second funnel, uh, whatever it may be, <laughs> uh, that, that there, does it, is there something special about those of us who 
take that, like who take that challenge, who take that like non-intuitive marriage, but you know, do, mm-hmm. what do you think? Yeah, I do. I think it's, I think it's special. And, and that's why I love working with a lot of nonprofit groups. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people who just barely start to see maybe that there's something and I've, I love going, that's a thing. Okay. Yeah. Let's grow that totally because it's going to be huge yeah. and it's going to be amazing and they don't see it yet. Yeah. Uh, and I think that there is something special when you get that, that aha moment. Yeah. Uh, it's like one of my favorite shows like on history channel. I, I could watch history channel forever, but there was this one show that they had that was like man moment machine, right? Like mm. we're only when everything mm-hmm. lined up mm-hmm. perfect, could this one event happen? Yeah. Like it didn't make sense yeah. before or after. Yeah. And and that happens for us. And so I think we have this special thing that that we had those pieces that sparked just perfect. Yeah. And if it had sparked before or after, it might have missed. Sure. And we might have been like, or oh, okay. Do you think there's also a piece where like there's like a like a, a bravery or, or something, some kind of gutsy, stubborn, whatever that like allows some people to to like take that challenge or some people like do you think it's a do you think it's a don't or a can't you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and and i think that that i mean mostly i think it's a uh a, a don't i think people put the blocks on themselves yeah and they start to build it you know like yeah i like i had friends who their parents asked them is this going to be your career in the future? Yeah. And they're like, well, no. They're like, well, then you need to spend time elsewhere. And then mm. all of a sudden their career goal says, yes. I can't yes. do any of these things. Yes. So yeah. don't do them. You know, like I can't, you know, yeah. don't venture off to the side. Yeah. And um, so I think that there, there can be, you know, but there is a tremendous bravery when you're like, I'm choosing to continue beyond where yeah. everybody else has stopped. Totally. I mean, it's, I feel excited for you and for those of us who've done it, but I think, you know, I, I've, I'm a broken record about this, but I say all the time on the podcast, you know, I, I started this podcast for several reasons. And among them is I feel so perplexed by the lack of creativity I see in other adults. I mean, I see it in my creative peers, but in, in my, my peers who aren't in creative professions. And, you know, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about art specifically, like Mm -hmm. any sort of art, plenty of scientists are very creative. Mm -hmm. Plenty of teachers are very creative, but I see so many adults who aren't creative at all. And I feel, I feel sick about it, you know, like I, I, I feel perplexed about it. And so part of my kind of mission with talking with creatives is trying to figure out like, is, is it an, I like when you make, when, when you have those funnily moments, like the, I mean, funnel, like F U N N E L (laughs) when you have like a funnel (laughs) moment, um, do you, do you go through it because you are creative and you have something that other people don't have or do you just do it because like, is it something we can teach? Is it something we can encourage? Is it something we can say like, listen, everyone has this potential or is it just like some people are going to, and some people aren't like, so I definitely think that everybody has some sort of potential. Yeah. And I do think, you know, and this is one of the most interesting things that I had seen. There's a lot of countries that just do, math 
Yeah. It's like math. If you're not the highest level of math and it's so trained into them because math, it's tough to be creative. Like there's only so many ways to reach the, the resolution. You mean in math? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's very rigid. It yeah. makes it now, once you get, of course, to like next level math, yeah. then, then it becomes kind really of, creative. Yeah. yeah very it's fascinating. Mapping just like, exactly. Yeah. Like once you get to the quantum level, the problem is like, by the time you get there, the creativity that somebody would have taken, the liberties that people would have taken in that meantime, they've, they, then they get there and they're like, okay, well, what do I, how yeah, do I do it's this? It's been kind or, of trained out of you. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I do think everybody does have a potential. This is one of my, my favorite things. Um, one of the things uh, I've done, I drove Lyft for a year. Cool. And and I would hear these uh, amazing stories. Somebody would say, I'd ask them you know, about their career or what they do. And they would tell me and I'm like, that is so amazing. Yeah. I'm like, have you ever thought about writing that down? Yeah. And they're like, nobody wants to hear this. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. not only do they want to yeah. hear it, it should be, it's like almost a crime if you don't yeah. write this down. Yeah. And they're like, no, I don't, I don't have that skill. I don't have that talent. It's not my thing. Mm. And then I'm confident when they left that regardless of my encouragement, that they're not going to do anything with it, yeah. unfortunately. Totally. Because... Partially because we were taught career, you know, focus your goals. And if it's not on your roadmap to a goal, then it's yeah. an inconvenience. Yeah. And, and it's so brave to go, this is a goal out here outside my other goals mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, uh, and yes. stray outside those lines. I'm, I'm so with you about it. I see the same thing. I mean, I often it's with my students where I'm looking at it and I'm going, here's you, here's this, this is something, do it. Like you have to do it. Um, and it, and it's not always like, it's not always music. Sometimes like, like I'm inclined to see like you have this other interest and you have this interest and like, what if you did this cool thing? And it makes me feel nauseous how many people like just, I know they're never going to try it. Like right. it makes me so sad. And, and I'm right there with you. Yeah. And then I just feel like, okay, those of us, like, because I know that, like, I put myself in that position. I'm doing it for sure. Like, I don't <laughs> yes. know how, I don't know. I mean, no matter how tricky it's going to be, like, when I see something like that, I almost feel like it's, I have to. Like, mm -hmm. there's no, if I have an idea, I, it doesn't seem like an option to me to not try it. Right. If it's like a compulsion, like I have to try it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what's, what's really the harm if I don't, yeah. if I, I don't try it, I'll never know. Right. And like, I fully cannot relate to like seeing an idea and just being like, well, meh. like I cannot relate <laughs> right. to it. Right. I can't relate to it. And so then I think like, do, do, is this thing that I have, is it teachable or is it just like, this is my brain. And I, and I feel obsessed with that question. Mm. Um, do you have any like insight yeah, or thoughts? So, I mean, um, I, I definitely think it's teachable. I think yeah. that, that we could, you know, miracle, miracle grow <laughs> their potentials yeah. if they take the chance. Now that's, right. and that's, that's was, the, but that's the thing that if they take the chance, is yeah. that teachable? The like thing that lets you take the chance. Is, that's that's is, the hardest yeah. because it's when, um, it's when they know peers who who have taken the chance. Right, when they can see it. That's when they start to yeah. gain a little bit of confidence. And I've seen this when in places that I've worked where somebody said, hey, I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm like, oh, what have you done? What have you written? You know, tell yeah. me about it. And they're like, well, I've just, 
I haven't ever just, shown it to people. Yeah. I haven't. I'm like, well, would you mind if I took a look? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. have you ever thought about doing more with this? And it was the first time that they had taken the courage to share it with somebody else. Mm. And then I was able to go, this is, you know, this is really good. You know, yeah. you should do this. Here's some advice. Yeah. And I was able to help them start to go down that path right. a little bit. Yeah. Say, look, you, uh, but it's when they're comfortable with peers that there's an opportunity. Mm. Yeah. That's what I, I love. All the groups I participate in um, uh, help me develop the people who are starting to take the chance. Yeah. But what I love is everywhere I work, everywhere I've ever worked, every time I hear that there's an opportunity where somebody has a, a, an inkling of creativity yeah. and they take a chance of sharing it because they think it's fascinating because I'm okay with sharing. Right. Right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. right? I'm totally, yeah. I'm a writer. This yeah. is what I do. Right. I, you know, yeah. hey, we're at Comic-Con next week or whatever. And then people are like, they're like, they take a chance then to just say, hey. I do a thing. I do a thing. Is Do you think that's a thing? And yeah. It, and that was incredibly brave. But because we had a friendship, uh, yeah. a, a professional friendship, it helped them take yeah. the chance. And then I was able to help them turn it into something. Right. Suddenly, I know people who have, have gone from yeah. just sharing this little thing yeah. to now they're a part of a writing group. Now yeah. they're taking more courage. So there's an, a chance. Yeah. That they'll grow it. Now, now whether they keep going, that could be really tough. Yeah. Because that road is, is a hard, hard road. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I like <coughs> fantasize about a world where like everyone keeps taking those chances. Uh, I just, I mean, I, I think I get super optimistic about human potential. I get super optimistic about like if every individual is like fulfilling their potential, like how amazing of a world could we be in? And like, I want to see, like, I don't, I don't get feeling competitive easily. Like I'm not, mm -hmm. and it's not because I'm overconfident. I just like, I'm not competitive. <laughs> <laughs> if someone's trying to compete with me, I'll just be like, you win. <laughs> like, I, I will disengage. Um, but I think like be, maybe because of that, like, I really like, I want to see everybody like hardcore succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, because then I just feel like, like, I want to see what you make. I want to see what kind of thing you do that I'm like, whoa, I would never have thought of that. <laughs> you know, like that just, it lights me up. So I, I agree. I tend to agree with you. Like everyone has the potential for creativity. I think figure, finding ways to nurture that in children is paramount. And then how do we cultivate that kind of resiliency? That's part of it. And also just the like the guts to just be like, well, I guess I'll try it. Um, that's I'm I'm more interested in that maybe because I don't have children. Mm. You know, I'm I'm more interested in like when when I have someone who's you know in those teenage years or like right about to go to college or maybe even a young adult who whose creativity has been nurtured, but maybe like they haven't they don't have the skills to make it through that next thing of like what are you gonna do with it though? Mm -hmm. Like how are you gonna harness it how are you gonna like you know balance it in whichever direction like you needed it to balance it with order i needed it to balance mine with chaos right um <laughs> but like how are you gonna find your own recipe that will kind of like allow you to bump up to the you know the next like more professional more resilient level that was a big tangent that, um, that, that, i really liked it it's though. kind of it's kind of interesting <laughs> i mean I, I have i have five amazing kids and um the hardest part uh, with my kids is that they are so talented in so many areas that I, tr 
I want to nurture them in whichever area they have the greatest interest with their creativity. Right. And it could be tough because sometimes I'm like, I want you to be a writer. Like I psychically think this, yeah. but but I'm like, you want to do dance? That's amazing. Yeah. You should do dance. Yeah. You know, um, let's try gymnastics. Let's try something. What, what you're good at and you're creative. Yeah. You know, I want to make sure to nurture the thing that you have passion because there's that other side where there's that sense of creativity and then the, and then the parents only let you f- grow that one piece. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, you do, you get some amazing results, but you also get some amazingly, I kind of like not wonderful results. Yeah. (laughs) Well, certainly limiting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's cute when someone's 10 years old and they're the best dancer. Uh, but like at some point you need, you start needing that diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, like it's not sustainable into adulthood, which is again, why I think like I see so many teenagers who have, you know, they're, they're, they've developed a creative skill, you know, to, to a fine extent for a teenager, Mm -hmm. but they don't have like the, the variety or the courage or whatever to kind of like take it into adulthood where it's gonna, it's gonna be in a bigger pool, you know, or it's going to have now, now we're going to start having to think about how we make money with it. You know, like Mm -hmm. has it all these kind of other implications. So let's go back now and talk about what happened with your writing. Um, like just story, tell me through like, you know, we, where we left off that piece, you were in high school, you're starting to write longer things. What happened? Uh, yeah, I, um, I that was the first time I th- I thought I'd write a story to try and impress a girl. Yeah. <laughs> which had mixed results. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Learned pretty early. Okay. So I, I did uh, through high school I did You were like I, if this works on my friends. Right. Let's see if can it work on this, with the ladies. <laughs> right. Um not the results I was hoping for. But um it was still really cool to see yeah. how it plays out. It's funny because uh, in those moments um in those moments, sometimes they weren't great or they were okay. But looking back, I'm like, oh, that was a big learning totally. moment for me. And I did learn from it. Yeah. I'm glad I did that. That's awesome. But in that moment, I'm like, why did I do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It didn't work like I hoped it would. Not exactly what yeah. I was looking for. <laughs> um, so yeah, in high school, I started writing a lot more. And then I knew... I mean, I'd always had that passion to publish something. I was I was going to uh, try and publish something. And I always had a passion. I had written many, many tons of short stories and a couple of of uh, longer stories that would, um, you know, kind of the longest was like 230 pages. But none of them were publish worthy, which is okay, right? Yeah. Like You were a teenager. Right, yeah. a teenager still working through this stuff. And... Um, and so when high school ended, uh, I ended up um, serving a mission in, in Utica, New York, okay. Upper State, New York, which uh, did a different kind of wonder for me mm-hmm. because I was away from home and family in a foreign place I had nothing, knew nothing about. Yeah. And where did you grow up? In Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, me too. Oh, well, at Mesa. <laughs> there you but, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was over on the edge near Gilbert. Cool. Um, but went to Mesa often. Cool. But uh, yeah, so uh, Utica, New York, uh, which is, you know, very cold and uh, very dark yeah. compared to... I mean, to, that is foreign to Arizona. <laughs> it is. Oh, it's, it's, it's a whole It's not a foreign country. country, but it's a foreign, <laughs> right. it's it, a foreign land. It, sure, it certainly <laughs> felt like it. But it was so interesting because I got to meet 
and work with such a diverse group of people, mm-hmm. right? I got to uh, play uh, basketball in the projects of New York, which was yeah. so fascinating yeah. to talk and work with these people. And then I, I, you know, had these amazing people that I was able to um, be companions with who had these diverse backgrounds. One had a scholarship to uh, play basketball at Auburn. Mm. So he was phenomenal. Yeah. Right. And then I, I also got to be with one that was a potato farmer in wow. Idaho. Yeah. And I got to learn about these different things. And this is when, uh, you know, um, during this time, I didn't write so much as as I started soaking stuff. Totally. Yeah. I'm like, okay. You went back to research mode. Yeah. Let me understand. There was even one point in uh, Pennsylvania where I worked on a dairy farm for a month. Wow. Um, which was the hardest work I ever did in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous Sounds, respect to farmers. Yeah. So yeah, what what was that doing to your mind? So that was helping like really develop and understand, getting to understand people. Yeah. You know, during high school, I was understanding people's emotions a little bit. Yeah. Um, and There's I was just not a lot enough diversity. Exactly. Yeah. And And now I was getting to a real depth of people. I was getting to understand... Um, I mean, as much as I could, I try to understand people's motivations yeah. and start to really understand, okay, you're in this circumstance, you know, how did you end up here? Like, yeah. what are you working on to move beyond this circumstance? Yeah. Or is, do you feel like this is a good circumstance? Yeah. And, and it was so amazing that the diversity of people and, and experiences out there that when I came back, I was, I was just like, okay. Now I have so much content now to write something. Yeah. And it actually paralyzed me for a year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, there's so much here. I can fully relate to that. Like (laughs) having so much and like thinking like where, how do I assimilate this? Like, what do I do? Right. How do I, how do I rein this into and start writing stories out of it? And uh, so then I returned to writing short stories. Were you going to college? So I started going to college I started going to uh, Northland Pioneer Community College. So that's one of the steps I didn't tell you about. In the middle of my junior year, I moved from Phoenix to Snowflake, Arizona. Oh, Snowflake. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know Snowflake. Yeah, Snowflake. What should we tell people who don't know about Snowflake about Snowflake? Um, that it's not named after snow. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, the, the It's two families. Mm-hmm. One last name Snow. One last name Flake. Yep. And everyone who lives there is pretty much related to one of those families. Yeah, you're not you're not kidding. <laughs> yeah. And uh and I joke that like it would snow anywhere 20 miles outside of Snowflake before it snowed in Snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> um but it was what was fascinating about that and I and I totally skipped this but so in high in high school uh, in Phoenix it was ROTC. I was like one of 100 kids in the newspaper staff. Yeah. I was struggling. When I moved to Snowflake, I was the new kid. Yeah. And so I got a lot of attention. You're probably so different. It was. I mean, it was a dramatic. It was even just fish like out of the water. fact that you're like not blonde, right? <laughs> well, I'm sure. You, did you? I mean, did you feel like very? I I can't imagine. I mean, a high school in Phoenix is not going to be extremely diverse. Mm-hmm. A high school in Snowflake, Arizona, is going to be. I mean. It's pretty much literally like it's two families. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to imagine you felt like extremely different. Yeah. So well, different. that and I had left all my friends behind. 
that I that I had known and, yeah. and grown up with and finally formed and bonds with. That comfort with. zone was really precious to you. Yeah, because it you was. really it was it didn't wasn't handed to you. And and the uh, and the phone bills my dad would talk about yeah. <laughs> reflected that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, in Snowflake, suddenly I went from this. Um, I was outliers everywhere to to people like wanting to know me like. Who oh, are you? You were you know, mysterious what, to people. Right. What what brought you here? Yeah. Like what what drives you? Yeah. And then they're like, You were on the newspaper staff in Phoenix. Would you like to be on our yeah. newspaper staff? And we like, only yes. have three of us. And and uh they're like, We're gonna make you the editor in chief of this the school wow. newspaper. <laughs> and we really need somebody on the varsity football team. Oh my gosh. So I was on the varsity <laughs> football team and uh a whole and that so, that probably made you like really think about identity. And yeah, like how, yeah, it was opposite. Yeah, yeah, it was so different. Yeah, in contrast, like identity is not this fixed thing at all because the pool you put it in is everything, right? Mm-hmm. That's, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. And at that point, um, and this is one of my favorite parts. In so because I grew up in Phoenix, uh, my ideas were very. I mean, it's funny because I'm very conservative, but my ideas were more liberal than snowflake yeah. was used to yeah so uh, as the editor-in-chief i would write editorials yeah and counter editorials and we would and i had this amazing teacher uh who was brand new to snowflake she uh just finished uh her college back in new york so she wow. was a very liberal teacher oh my gosh she probably hated it there <laughs> maybe but she was maybe I, I loved her as a teacher she uh, partially because she gave me all the rope I needed to hang myself. Yeah. Well, she probably was like really um, grateful for you, like or any of her students who were kind of thinking bigger. Yeah, she was, um, and that's the thing. Like when I wrote my first editorial, it wasn't anything controversial. Yeah, it was just like a little, a little. You know, should the bell really ring at eight yeah. fifteen or something <laughs> like that? You know? It was a real simple, and um, and that was the first time that. Um, she she read it and she's like, okay, if you feel confident. I'm like, yeah. And she just, she didn't even edit it. Like, yeah. she's like, here, it's going out there with the misspellings and everything. Yeah. I'm like, oh, after I saw that, I'm like, Maybe I, I got to be more careful, harder, yeah. right? I need to work more on my craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I, I got a little bit more bolder with the the things I would write in as editorials. And there was um, there was a point where, I had read, uh, written an editorial where the principal called me in the office and he was like, so edgy. He was like, Hey, <laughs> uh, from now on, you kind of need to run your articles by me before. Oh my gosh. And it was because I'd written this article about how the new attendance policy was decided by the principal and one teacher. Like, yeah. Uh, like they this isn't democratic. Right. Well, it's not that there wasn't democratic. <laughs> like it wasn't even based on anything. Like sure, there wasn't like, sure. Hey, it worked at this school or this study. Right. Or, it was just like their total whim. Sense. They're like, yeah, we should do this. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And so I wrote the article exactly like that. And yeah, the principal, that made him unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> As you can imagine. <sighs> and yeah. then, um, but also he, I mean, that's yeah. so important. It's important to, I have an issue with authority, so <laughs> I, you know, yes. I, I would always be that. I mean, I'm on the side of the kid, being like, "Hey, <laughs> right?" Like I'm kind of calling him out a little bit, yeah. and uh, it's it wasn't it's not necessarily fair, right? Because he doesn't get a response. There's no response sure. article from the sure. principal defending. Yeah, 
And so we're like, okay, we're past this. Like the kids even read the editorials and then, and then the school newspaper and, and Snowflake. That's what we all think. Yeah. We're like, okay, nobody's even reading this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So then I, I wrote this article about how the, the school board said we couldn't have a soccer team up there because they didn't have one, um, even though all these businesses were going to donate for the uniforms and, and uh, referees and stuff. Yeah. The school board said it was it was going to cost too much, and um, and so they voted it down. But then, like, like the next session, like they voted for like a raise for themselves. Mm. So I wrote mm. that, and and uh, that got me into a lot of trouble. Awesome, <laughs> a lot of trouble, but not not the biggest trouble. That it came it was it yet came, to come. Okay, so I wrote this article about. I wrote an article, uh, editorial and a counter editorial on. Um, you wrote both. Yeah, because nobody would write the the Yeah, you opposite. were like somebody needs I to debate to. me. I, w- I was working hard. Like yeah, I wanted somebody to to write against it, and then nobody would write the counter article because so the the uh, editorial was on the the pros of having a, a very uh, LDS community mm. and the cons of having a very LDS community and what that could mean for the future. Yeah, and so I wrote this very you know, strong pro article yeah. and this very strong con article. Interesting. Yeah. And, and every, the people who read the newspaper only read the con article. Oh no. <laughs> and, oh no. And, and for the, for listeners who don't know in Snowflake, Arizona, that is going to be an issue. Oh, <laughs> Everyone was, there is Mormon. <laughs> it was, yeah, that was, it caused an uproar. Yeah. Oh to say the gosh. least. It's such a small, like it's such a nothing thing for like a high school student to have an opinion, but I totally can see that co- like <laughs> the community getting. Yeah. It got, it got pretty enraged. fired up. And, uh, yeah. and so, um, somehow I, I, I made it through, um, graduating snowflake without being tarred and feathered. <laughs> no, the, but, um, but after I graduated, they uh, shut down the newspaper for four years. Oh gosh are you kidding me no so that was a that's a whole different uh, yeah right but I had this interesting experience with right writing that I had never had before right that's a big experience right yeah and and it was only possible because all the right pieces were in place right because I had moved from Phoenix I was in Snowflake right I had this teacher from uh from New York who is just amazing without those pieces like it would never have been possible the the previous teacher um, would have like struck all like all of my yeah. articles down, yeah. And because before before we came on, the newspaper primarily just said, "Here's the pep rally next right. month." And it was like news. Here's the yeah. right yeah. exactly, yeah. and here's the the greatest athlete, or here's the quote from yeah. the student, or yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like we expanded it, and you um, were doing journalism, right? Well, and what I hated was that we had so many tremendous, tremendously talented writers yeah. on that staff. We were very fortunate because we had uh, two or three others uh, that were such a high level writing. Yeah. But because I was writing these articles and I got all this like negative attention, like they were very overshadowed on the quality of their work. Oh. And I always felt bad about yeah. that because their Sorry writing was, was yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, and they never got, I, I never felt like they got enough credit. Well, that's a, that's, I think that's an astute observation and it can be a good reminder to us to, you know, I mean, just be creative in the way you think about other people's potential. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's, that's, that's nice of you to observe, but also 
so not your responsibility <laughs> as a teenager. That's that's on the teachers, I, but I that's, think. But it's kind of interesting because that would always drive like my thinking moving forward, right? Yeah. I moved from, did the snowflake thing, went to, to Utica, New York, came back, did a little bit of college and then decided I was going to move to Phoenix. I didn't love writing in snowflake because what I did is I instantly said in college, I'm going to do creative writing yeah. and I'm going to do English. I'm going to go really hard at, yeah. at writing. Yeah. And the writing teachers I had were very... Um, what was the first school you went to again? Northland Pioneer Community and College. that's in Arizona? That's in Arizona. Yeah. Northern Arizona. NPC is the okay. is nickname. What city is it in? It's uh, in like Sholo, Arizona. Sholo. Yeah. <laughs> Which got its name from somebody showing the lowest card. In a in a bet. Arizona is so lame. <laughs> it's very fascinating, but at the minimum. But the um so the teachers there were um very like hard liberal politically. And mm, if my writing wasn't to their like when we watched a video and we wrote on it or wrote on a topic, if my opinion or conclusion didn't line up with like the their political thinking, yeah. it I got you like got C's opposite. or C minus, yeah. and also I'm like, that sucks. I'm like, hey, what about the yeah. quality of work? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, you, and then I'm how how did that feel to you to have been like you were given a hard time in high school because you were like too liberal, and then you're given a hard time in college because you're not enough. How, <laughs> what did what did that do to like your self talk? Oh, if it, anything, it frustrated me a great yeah. deal. Oh, yeah. just a, just a tremendous. And that's why I decided, you know, I'm going to move to Phoenix yeah. and, and go to a different college. Yeah. I'm like, I need a change of venue. Yeah. Looking for that balance again. Exactly. Yeah. And so the, you went to Phoenix after you were in New York. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And what did you major in? So, um, so I started, I was just doing generals and, uh, when I started doing college in Phoenix, I started working and as it turns out, my different way of thinking like works really well in business. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. it's it's fascinating and Strategic. I cuz I had I had no idea like what it what its pro, you know byproduct would be. Yeah. So I worked for well, it probably uh, could be any number of things. Right. Which is kind of like the point of like thinking about creativity thinking about creativity creatively. Mm -hmm. Like cuz th those creative little sparkles that you have can probably go tons of ways. Right. Well, yeah. that's that's the thing is that uh, right off the bat, suddenly I went from I just got hired on to do this job uh, at Circuit City, like organizing CDs. <laughs> that was yeah, Circuit City. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, <laughs> Circuit City was it's an like electronic old school store, Best Buy, right? <laughs> and, and they had these things called CDs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, <laughs> we even had VHS yeah. tapes. Um, so uh, I went and I. Thrived in that environment so much that like I got promoted and got promoted and got yeah. promoted, yeah. And and I learned like I I just learned all of these different ideas and concepts yeah. and areas I studied and like I figured things out. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, I can do all of this. Yeah. Really neat things where you could sell across all these departments yeah. and things and management thought yeah. that was fantastic. Yeah. Which was great because I was I could do it really well. The problem was people who who were already there or people who are well-established mm -hmm. see this young kid come in and just like, just rise up through the ranks yeah. really fast yeah. and do all this stuff different than what they're used to. Yeah. I was very, very threatening. 
Ugh, that makes and, me mad. And it, and it became, and so it, was, so it was awkward because I was so successful. I had focused, I'm like, well, I'm going to career a little bit and then I'll go to school. Mm. And then I careered a lot. And then, <laughs> um, and then I ended up getting married Yeah, <laughs> and got, brought my wife from Bountiful, Utah down to Phoenix to see if she would cook yeah. <laughs> in, the, in, the, <laughs> yeah. in the heat, oh, which she wow. did. We didn't yeah. last there very long. Yeah, it's so hot. But um, it's so hot in Arizona. So when we like, we ended up right, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I kind of forget. There's um, <laughs> there's a time where I locked our keys in our apartment, and we had to walk like two miles in yeah. like 126 degree temperature. No, which which wasn't great to begin with, but it was compounded by the fact that my wife was eight months pregnant. No, and uh, that's not acceptable. Which is right, and there were and we didn't have cell phones at the yeah. time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, like um, a, yeah, bad. yeah, that was, yeah, I'm so like, you I turned to my wife and said, I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry, this is never going to happen. And she yeah. goes, yeah, it is never going to happen. You're right. It's never, we're moving back to Utah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. This is, we're, we're not going. So it was interesting. Um, I never, I didn't get back to school in Phoenix, but so we had to move. And so we ended up moving to Snowflake, uh, and where, where my parents, my mom was living. That's right. Your and, parents uh, are still there. And uh, my sisters were mixed all, like all over the place. And uh, so we were there and I actually uh, wrote copyright for a radio station up cool. there. Wow. Which was a different type of yeah. writing altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How to get a message in, in like so interesting. 10, you're 15 just, seconds. You're learning all of these things. But even that, I, I just want to say, even this this thing that you're talking to me about of like what you were learning, like the, you know, when you're in your first college experience being too liberal for everyone and you're kind of going, you're observing that like in a creative way and going like, this is a thing. Then going to New York and being like, wow, all these different people, like you're, you're thinking creatively. Like, it's not that that situation is creative. Your brain is just continuing to be creative wherever you are. Mm -hmm. Then you're working at Circuit City and that's feeling creative. And it's like you're playing chess, but you're working at Circuit City. Right. And then, you know, and then going back and working at for a radio station and feeling like, you know, I mean, I think that's very telling. Like creativity isn't always, I mean, I would say possibly never is it in what you're doing. It's in how you're thinking, mm -hmm. which is why I just feel like, come on people, let's just, right. it's so easy. It lives in your brain. Let's just do more of it. Yeah. It's, it's that going outside that comfort zone again. Right. Yeah. There's what they know and it's comfortable and it's a nice blanket. Yeah. And they just don't want to go outside that. Yeah. That and known. you have seen that in all these different ways. Yeah. People being limited by their comfort zone. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. Time and again, I would see these these people who had tremendous talents who would just be like, nope, this is what, yeah. this is my place in life. Yeah. I'm like, what? Why are you <laughs> thinking like that? What? How is that a thing? Stop it. But um, but that was what's, what's so interesting is in all these places, I, I found myself not being like super competitive. Mm -hmm. And it was hard for me to like, talk about myself in a braggy way because I'm like these everybody's important yeah and that's always it was always my from early on because of the way that uh, the school went yeah um and the way the things I saw in New York I'm like everybody's important yeah I'm like I get like I've done these things so if you want to hire me for this job or a promotion please like that would be great but 
everybody else you can interview, they're going to be great individuals. Yeah. They have their own experiences. Yeah. And it's tough for a management to go, wait, you got to give me something. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because everybody else is very like, they're very competitive. I need yeah. to be the number one. And unfortunately, like there's a lot, so many people that have that drive that it reduces the amount of creativity within companies even. Hardcore, amen. Yeah, <laughs> I fully agree. Yeah. So what happened? What happened next? So, uh, yeah, wrote uh, for a copyright for a state radio station. Um, that was a uh, short lived. Uh, I didn't, I mean, I didn't love it. My wife didn't love snowflake. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, okay, let's, yeah. let's, let's move to bountiful. So we moved to Utah after that. Uh, and when I came up, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get established and go to school. That was always the plan. Yeah. How old were you? That's a good question. Um, oh, that was, uh, 2001 when we made it, uh, back to Salt Lake finally. So I was like 24. So young to have done all of, had all this experience. Yeah. Had that, uh, yeah. Did you have kids yet? So that we had our first kid. Okay. We had our first kid and, um, he was fantastic. And to make things interesting, he was born in his esophagus, wasn't attached to his stomach. Wow. So he needed emergency surgery. Yeah. Within 24 hours. Oh my gosh. It's just so I could have a story to tell everybody. Yeah. He's like, look, it's like, dad, <laughs> Listen, you're so my dad's creative. a writer. He's going to need some, like, here's my, here's my gift to you. Yep. That's a, an, yeah. an eternal gift. Uh, I love talking uh, about the amazing stories about him because he yeah. overcame all of this wow. stuff and he's yeah. a tremendous kid with all these allergies and, and side effects from, yeah, from, from that, that surgery. Yeah. Um, so, so we had our kid, Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, got to Bountiful, started working at the airport doing security. Interesting. Yeah. Because the 2002 Olympics were coming. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, so I started working there and that was, that was a whole different lesson in people yeah. and personalities and behaviors. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I thought, I thought I was starting to get a good grasp yeah. on people. And then you get to see everyone stressed out and upset. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and you get the people who it's are so like, interesting. The, the people who are like, I totally understand what you're doing. Whatever you need to do, I'm 100% yeah. on board, even I, if it's inconvenient. I'm one of those people at the airport. Right? Let's yeah. just, I don't want to make your life harder. Yeah. Let's just get through this. Yeah. And then the people are like, I'm always picked on. You know, you're, yeah. you're pre-screening me on purpose. I'm like, no, I'm it's honest. The metal detector went off when you came through. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. nothing to do with yeah. that. <laughs> and just see you know, the different levels of people getting upset. Uh, or the level of embarrassment. I mean, there were different stories yeah. that I learned from the airport. But seeing um, strangers interact with each other at the airport was fascinating mm. because there were like micro stories. I would get to see mm. people sit down next to each other um, who don't know each other and they wouldn't talk to each other. They would, you know, start to look on their devices. Um, and then you saw the people who would sit down and just ask somebody a question yeah. and then open up into this wonderful conversation. Yeah. You could tell that these two strangers were like best friends by the time they were getting on the yeah. airplane. Yeah. People like, are so cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I get thinking like that so easily. Like that's, I feel like that kind of thing is like my main like way of seeing people. Um, I think people are very interesting. Um, yeah, and I love that. <laughs> I, I, but again, I feel like. It's it's so telling that this is like how your mind was seeing these things. Mm -hmm. You're you're doing something that I think plenty of people would have felt really um like bored mm -hmm. by. Yeah. And, and you found ways to be interested. Yeah. 
or you just were interested. Yeah. I was yeah. just, I was, um, definitely, uh, taking in all yeah. of everything that would happen yeah. or the famous people that would come through. I was very interested to see how people would treat them yeah. or if they would treat yeah. them or if they would say anything. Yeah. There's some people who would come through and I'm like, I know who that actor is, but I'm not going to, I was on the job, so I'm not going to do anything different, yeah. but I'd be able to see people, right. people stand in line with them and they're like, you could see them think through the process. Yeah. Should I, Should I say, say something? something? <laughs> Should I not say something? Yeah. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> right? But I kind of want to just, you know, say that I said hi to this person. Yeah. And then you got the people who are like, for some reason, just have no like fear of anything. Yeah. And they just walk up. Hey, thank you so much for your amazing work on that movie. That was tremendous. And I'm yeah. like, wow, that yeah, was yeah, like yeah. super bold. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what happened next with like, what happened with your writing? How, how did you get back into writing? So that was, so I started really writing a lot at this point. Interesting. I had so much, so much content and I had started, I'd read so much works at this point that I'd, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to like start really yeah. pushing together some good stuff that, and like I had written a dozen short stories. I, I kept kind of fidgeting with a longer project. And I'm like, I need to write a book. Yeah. Like, I want to write a book. Yeah. And um, I was uh, up late one night watching the History Channel, as all people should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched, had this uh, little documentary on this on this dam in North Korea, that North Korea had built. And at the time, it was the largest dam in the world on the only river that went north to south on the Korean Peninsula, and if they broke it, it would flood South Korea and immobilize U.S. troops. So in response, the U.S. and South Korea built this little dam downstream to block as much as it could. Yeah. And I thought, wow. I'm like, that's really a thing? Yeah. So I'm like, nobody knows what nobody knows this. I'm like, it's yeah. on the History Channel, but no. So I yeah. went to work and I asked people, I'm like, did you know North Korea built like this massive dam? Yeah. And they're like, what? Yeah. Like, no, that that's not a thing. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's on the history it's channel. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so I thought, I'm going to write a story around this. Yeah. This thing that nobody knows anything about. Yeah. And at the same time, the internet was really taking off at that point. So um, it still wasn't perfected. That's, you know, I'm still that ancient. It still wasn't perfected. <laughs> so I couldn't just ask the internet everything I wanted. It right. could just give me some limited pieces. Yeah. And, and and I was able to start to study about North yeah. and South Korea and delve into it and ask questions from people that I knew um, and people that had been there and, and started developing this story. So then I started to write. And it was so interesting because I'm like, I was so wanting to be careful, like perspective. I really wanted to make sure it wasn't a story about oh, this is one person's perspective through the right. story. Yeah, I really wanted people to feel sympathy for the bad guys because their perspective was, this is the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what, like I started really writing on this story, working really hard at it. And I talked to the people at the airport and it was really interesting developing these characters and writing this, yeah. uh, putting it together. And that's when I got, I got my first book. It was... Um, it was ugly, but it was it was together. Yeah, and that's when I I started experiencing the the full rejection. Which, so at this time, yeah. it's funny because I didn't know I wasn't a part of any writing groups. And you didn't go back to school. So I didn't go back to school because okay. I had always meant to. 
Yeah. It was always the, but you just were moving forward. Right. It was like the next life thing is happening. And if yeah. you want to like keep up with it, you have to, yeah. you have to just work. You got to keep up with it. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to write, I'm going to, so I finished my first book and I started sending it out because back then it wasn't email us back then it was mail, mail us yeah. your transcript. And if you want to guarantee that we didn't keep it, um, then you have to send an envelope with a return address, you know? Oh so yeah. I ended up with like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. 230 copies of my, oh, no. uh, my manuscript yeah. back. And I'm like, Oh, that was soul crushing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have, I didn't have any writing groups. I didn't have any friends that were in the writing community at the time or successful. And, uh, and so I didn't know if this was normal. Like yeah, I didn't totally. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I've, I was kind of like, Oh, I'm kind of crushed, but, um, okay, yeah. I'm going to keep going with yeah. this because yeah. it's going to be a it's thing. another one of those funnel, like right? those little moments where you're like, Oh, I'm going to squeeze through this That's right. little point. It's and really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Right there. Yeah. And then, uh, what I loved was my wife was incredibly supportive. That was fortunate. I married a, a visual, a visual artist. Amazing. Yeah. Which she does some of the, like amazing stuff, but her support of my art was monumental. Yeah. Like during those, during those dark yeah. times, she's like, don't give up. Yeah. I'm like, I wasn't going to, but your words make me feel so much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so we, we kept going and then, uh, finally I'd found out a, a friend knew somebody at a publishing company. And I'm like, can you just ask him if this is normal? Cause I didn't know if it was normal. Yeah. And, and so my friend's like, Oh, well what, you know, what's your book about? Maybe I could tell him about it. I'm like, sure. So, so I gave him a copy. He's like, you know what? We, this could be a we'll thing. We'll read it. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they published it, uh, oh. online. They said, look, we're going to do this. And if it sells so many copies, um, online, then we're going to we'll do the hard, hardcover. Cool. Right. I'm like, I'm, yeah, awesome. Great. And it's funny because at that time I'd actually transitioned. I was working out at Walmart in Tooele. That's a whole like super long story. But then in Tooele, I was a human resource manager. I know 500 people. Yeah. All of them know I'm a writer. All of them know my book's coming out. Yeah. All of them tell me, I'm going to buy your book when it yeah. comes out. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be super and cheap. It's electronic. Yeah. yeah. Um. Everybody's like, yeah. So my book comes out, it's released. And, uh, and everybody's like, yeah, I bought your book. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Yeah. No, you yeah. didn't buy my book. Yeah. yeah. I know the four people who bought my book and my mom was twice. Yeah. <laughs> she bought two yeah. electronic copies yeah. to make me feel better, I think. Oh, mom. And so I'm like, ah, uh, okay. Isn't that hard? I have had an experience like that too. That's hard. Yeah. What, so what happened? What'd you do? So, so yeah, I thought this has got to be it. Like, uh, maybe this is the end of my, my writing fiction. Yeah. It wasn't the end of my writing. Right. I thought I'm, I still need to write. Like I always had this drive. So then uh, I'm like, maybe I'm just not cut out because I want, it was, I'm, maybe I'm just don't have the fiction down right. Mm. So I ended up um, being a, a writer for Yahoo, uh, which was great. Great at getting uh, rejections. Yeah. Because so Yahoo would, would pay you and then you would get paid more if your article got picked up and then you get paid more if you got so many hits cool. and if it got to so many sites. So you were writing like editorials again? So it was, or it was, it was a mixture. Like, yeah, some... it wasn't fiction. It was more, it wasn't editorial. It was more like 
news reporting. It was more like okay. this. Let me tell you what happened at this event, or okay. or this political thing that's happened, or you know. Let's and you were working for Yahoo. Was it? Was there a middleman? Like, were you working for someone for Yahoo, or like? No, it was it was for Yahoo. Okay, <laughs> I was just like I don't know weird. how that works. I think I. So it's funny because. Um, because uh, the internet was still just barely developing really at that point then yeah, again. it was a weird time. It was. And I just emailed them and just said, how could I write for you guys? And they're like, well, this is how. Just, Do you have an experience? I'm right. like, I got this published book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're a published writer? Yeah. And, I was, and yeah, you were I was, like, uh-huh. <laughs> I did this thing for my high school, you know, back in the day. And they're like, you know, write us a couple of samples. Yeah. And I did. And they really liked it. And they're yeah. like, yes, okay, let's pick you up as a writer. Cool. So that was... And I was shocked. I'm like, really? Oh, yeah. right. And Yahoo is much bigger than it is now. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yahoo was everything. I mean, yeah. yeah. Bef- before Google, Yahoo was the Google. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so to, to say that I was writing for Yahoo and I was working at Walmart at the same time, I was just writing these articles, yeah. you know, during the night and go like to these events. Freelance and things. thing. Right. Cool. And so I probably wrote a ridiculous number of articles for Yahoo. But the the problem is it's it's if they get picked up, so they would they would go to their editors and they would say this needs to be adjusted or this just isn't the right time for this kind of article or um, this isn't popular or change this up or perspective yeah. you know they, so I get a lot of feedback which was great that I was getting a lot of feedback yeah. it was a lot of constructive criticism on my writing too which was wonderful yeah I hadn't I hadn't really you hadn't experienced had that. that yeah you hadn't really gone to school for it yeah, yeah. so That's so great. I was and it was boy it was. A school of its own. So, you know, um, there were long stretches where I asked Yahoo if I'm like, you sure you want me to write for you? Because yeah. like you've rejected like 10 pieces yeah, yeah, in a yeah. row. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, we love your stuff. Keep yeah. writing. Like, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So at the same time I ended up, um, getting to write for, uh, for sports illustrated, uh, for the 49ers Cool. on the same kind of thing where I just freelance, I mentioned, I mentioned to this guy, like the email was up there. I just said, Hey, I love this article. And the guy had replied to me and said, thank you so much. You know, do you, is there any kind of article you would like to see? And I'm like, yeah, I like this and this. And he goes, Oh, that's pretty awesome. It sounds like, you know what you're talking about. I'm like, yeah, this is what I like to see. And then he's like, well, would you like to write a guest yeah. article? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that that's sounds amazing. fantastic. Yeah. You know, I was geeking out. I love the 49ers. And so I wrote a guest article. And he says, would you like to write for us? And yeah. I'm like, that's so yes. amazing. You're just, you're just, you're doing stuff. Right. That's so just like just clearly it's chances, in your character. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's so it's funny because when I tell people, I'm like, yeah, I just emailed somebody and said, Hey, how do I do this? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, like this. I was just talking about this with another person I interviewed who's the chef. Um, his episode is coming out in January and, uh, yeah, people ask me, I mean, this is such a small thing, but people ask me all the time when I interview someone like, well, how did you, how did you get a hold of that person? And I'll just be like, I, cult <laughs> right, <laughs> but right. It, like, it blows people's minds like just those <laughs> small things of like like that's not to say that there's not that it's easy always like right i mean technically it's very easy some days i'm not in the mood to make a cold call like some mm-hmm. days i feel like i can't handle a, a rejection but i mean on the days that i can like i'll take rejections like i'll take 10 you know, right. Right. <laughs> you know, then you'll, you'll, you'll get one. Like, and that's the other thing I tell people. And again, it's just, it's such a small thing, but like the people that I reach out to, to interview on the podcast, I mean, probably like a good half, maybe more never respond, Oh, you know? And then it's just like, 
well, <laughs> that was an opportunity. Well, but I just feel like I just keep, I mean, yeah, you're, I, it's not, I'm not talking about them. I'm just saying like right. what people don't know about someone who like is getting published with right. the 49ers, getting published with Yahoo. You just, you, it's not that like, well, how did you find the thing that was going to work? It's like, I found tw- five times as many things that didn't work. Right. But the, but the, the constant is me just kind of continuing to put those branches out. Sure. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's that taking a chance plus, you right. know, it's sure there might be an email there address there. Right. But do I send well, an and email? Once again, like there's no telling how many great writers, how many totally creative, great writers didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think lately my belief is like, it's not about the creativity. Like it is, it's so important, but like creativity without that, like, whatever that thing is, it's not doing anything. It can't go anywhere. Yeah. That's spot on. Yeah. That's spot on. And you need, you know, those lessons that you'll learn by taking those little chances. Yeah. And start little, start like, mm-hmm. just send an email. Yeah. Just try something. You never know. Yeah. And that's what I tell everybody. You just never know. Yeah. It, yeah. You definitely don't know if you don't try. Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally. That's guaranteed. But so it was, it was interesting because Yahoo gave me all my criticisms on my writing. So it yeah. improved my writing. Yeah. And the 49ers in Sports Illustrated was uh, deadline and pressure. Yeah. Like I had. You're learning all these things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Firsthand. They're like, okay, we need three articles a week. It has to have this word content. It's got to be different than everybody else's because it was being published on their, their website. Yeah. That's where I was, my mind were going. Like, so it's got to be different than everybody else's. And it can't be just opinion. It's got to be fact-based. It's got to cool. be something unique. Yeah. And um, and so I wrote and wrote, but they're like, they would come back and say, look, you need to have this turned in. You got to revise this. You got to turn it in like an hour. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, hon. I got to stay up for another hour. I got to yeah. get this done. Yeah. And the deadlines and the pressure was so immense, but it was so interesting to be under that gun because I really hadn't been before. Even yeah. Yahoo was laxed with their deadlines. So yeah. like, write this article for us about this. Yeah. <laughs> At some <Okay>. point. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, so yeah, then uh, that was time and pressure. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it was yeah. intense. So then um, I switched from the 49ers to the Utah Jazz, which was um, uh, not the smartest choice if trying to avoid pressure. Because so mm. the, the 49ers play like 18 games in a season and the Jazz play like a million games in a season. So <laughs> yeah. they play so many more games. And so the articles have to be faster and better than yeah. what I was doing before. Yeah. And so I wrote for them for a season um, and that was intense. Yeah. And after that, I'm like, okay, You're guys, really cutting your I teeth. love yeah. you guys, but... Yeah. My wife says for sanity reasons. Yeah, no more. I have to take a break. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I so I did. I, I ended up um, leaving both of those at the same time. I'm like, I was exhausted. Yeah. When it came to writing, kind I hadn't written out. more. Like that was the most I'd written in such a short period of time for Sports Illustrated and Yahoo together. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm like just barely catching my breath. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I'm like, maybe. I'll try fiction again. Yeah. It's, it's how, less. And how old were you now? So, um, oh, that's a good question. Because uh, that was, so um, that would put me about, I want to say it was like 32. Okay. 
That's how old I am. Um, (laughs) So you, well, almost my birthday's in April. I'm 31 if we're getting technical. Um, But yeah, that's, so, so you had like a deck, like a deck, almost a decade. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I want to get to some like identity stuff. So I'd love to like get to like where you're writing, like bounce me through like how you're, how you started writing fiction and bounce me through in like, mm, if you can, like mm-hmm. 10 minutes. How did you get from that to now? That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so I had found um, another publisher. Yeah. I had an idea and the publishers like developed that idea. And you we'll really got consider. the publisher first. That's yeah. cool. Well, I just, I reached out to him just to say, if I wrote this yeah. story. Would you be interested? And they said, write that story. I love that premise. Write that story. So I did. I, I worked really hard on writing that story and it, it, public, it pulled together pretty fast. It took me only a year. The first book had taken me many years. Yeah. <laughs> I was struggling. Yeah. Um, but you had learned all of this like, yeah. yeah. Deadline, pressure, yeah. you know, execution, better writing. So like yeah. I had learned all the these lessons through yeah. this. And so now when I submitted, they're like, this is good. This yeah. is really good. And they and they published it and they said in a heartbeat. I'm like, oh, you're gonna publish electronically? Like, no. We're this is good. It. This yeah. is a this is legit. And the, and this was fiction and it was a book. Yes. Okay. And that was uh, a changing wax, which is like my favorite. It's of of all the stories I've told, like this is like my favorite yeah. uh, book. Because it's it's a fantasy book, but I but I put in all these characters and experiences right. from the airport. The airport yeah. and from New York and from from yeah. Phoenix and yeah. all these places. And I'm like, ah, I'm gonna toss these I things. Love it. It's gonna be yeah. so much fun. And these characters, and I'm like, I'm gonna make a, a a hero from a character that nobody makes a hero. And how could that even be plausible? Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm like Yes, yeah. like yeah. this is going to be the thing, and it's funny, of course, because uh, in this story, as I as I was writing the story, it was the reflecting on on myself. I mm-hmm. I put a lot of of myself in there. I'm like, I always felt like I was that underdog who was destined to not win but be mm-hmm. present yeah. when people were winning, uh, and so I wanted to I wanted to be the one. So so I'm like, I imagined that and wrote that character, and I'm like, yes, it's fantastic. Yeah. So that that got published and. And right as soon as that got published, it was like the the second time there was a Comic-Con. We were selling our books at Comic-Con. And every person said, how do you get started writing? I said, you, you start writing. Yeah. <laughs> Read books. Yes. Uh, reach out to publishers. Yeah, I'm totally. like, this is, yeah. you could Google you, this part. You, now, you Google just will need exist. to write. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so, and, but then I'm like, but I need to write more. I need to start getting yeah. on this. And I need to diversify my writing. And so mm-hmm. I turned to my wife and said, I'm going to write some more. So that's where I wrote my supernatural. Uh, I wanted to uh, write something different. So my first book was a spy thriller that did terrible. Then there was the fantasy comedy. Okay. Um, and now I'm like, I'm going to write a vampire werewolf. Cool. Because uh, everybody needs one of those. Right. And <laughs> so I wrote that. <laughs> and I'm like, Fantastic. This looks really good. And then I'm like, let's write something really different. Yeah. So I'm like, I turned to my wife and said, let's, let's write something together. Yeah. See if, let's see if I can create some sort of friction in our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a challenge. So we yeah. wrote a futuristic romance steampunk, which was really different. Wow. Yeah. Right. Just 
well outside yeah. the bounds. I'm like, oh, I love testing this thing. Yeah. These stories are doing really well. Yeah. And people are enjoying them. Yeah. I'm like, yes. And then that's when uh, one of my friends came to me and said, we're all entering stories into the Horror Writers Association. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't read horror. Yeah. I don't write horror. I don't watch horror movies. Like, yeah. I'm not a horror guy. They're like, just do it. Everybody's doing it. You got to try. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> And your horror story is about a teenage boy getting censored at his high school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. that's no, no. Compelling. Oh so you wrote a horror novel. So there, Well, it was just a horror short story, oh, cool. but it got picked up by the, to publish in their anthology. Wow. And I'm like, wait, what? It got in? Like, yeah. And now you've accepted? written like all these different so genres. Now, that's then, so cool. Right. And then published in in several different anthologies and books. And now wow. I have some poetry stuff and now I got future books coming. I'm like, wow. It just, it, it uh, was like a, a rock that was really hard to push over the cliff, but then it started getting going. Yeah. It was going, yeah. it was starting to move. Oh, that's such an inspiring story. How old were you like at that point? Like when the horror story was published? The horror story was, uh, three years ago. Okay. Wow. So yeah. you're like in it. You're like yeah. in it still. Yep. So, okay. So three years, Yep. three years and three minutes. What's yep. happening? So, so there was the, the horror story and then people wanted to know more. Um, and so I, I kept wanting to do something different. Yeah. So I wrote, um, uh, an opinion piece for the UVU's publication. Cool. And so they use Utah Valley university. <laughs> right. And, and it was, uh, they wanted something different. So I wrote an opinion piece on uh, the show Orville versus Star Trek because they had a new show coming mm. out. Why, which one should you pick? Mm. So I wrote this opinion piece for them and it got published in their book. And I'm like, whoa, like I hadn't had that happen before. Yeah. I'm like, I got to do something different. Like yeah. I want to, I love I it that you seeing. just, it, yeah, I, I love this. Like I just, I just want to belabor this moment a little <laughs> a part of what, Jared is doing is like, you know, instead of like, oh, I had success. Let me repeat this. It's like I had success. What else can I do? Right. (laughs) Which I think is also just that's such the mark of a creative, (laughs) I think. I mean, not that like not that it's the only path, but I like it. So then what else did you try? So, yeah. So then I'm like, I need to try poetry, which is uh, super difficult. Yeah. I mean, for to get it's it's not difficult to rhyme. It's difficult to make it so people care about it. Yeah. So I wrote uh, this uh, poem about the lift rides I had given in mm. the one year I drove lift, mm. and um, they loved it. This this group I had submitted it to, and it's getting published in an anthology that's coming out this next year. Cool. And um, so then I wrote a short. I, I wrote a, a novella on stories from. Lift driving, and it's also got poetry in it. I'm like, this wow. is really outside because it's nonfiction. Yeah, I hadn't published really nonfiction. Yeah, so nonfiction with poetry. So it's like the biggest risk. I love that <laughs> to yeah. see what happens. That's awesome. And then, of course, everybody's been clamoring. So when's the sequel to uh, Changing Wax? Because that's the one we've that's wanted the one you all loved. along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so you're writing it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And that brings that us to now. Yep. Okay. Great. So let's, so all, all of that is amazing. I love it. If there's anything else you feel like you want to add, like feel free to interrupt me. Um, but I want to talk about some of this identity stuff. Cause it's where mm-hmm. I like to, I like to end the podcast here. Um, and like the end can be like, 
you know, 20 minutes or something. So we want to give it some time. It doesn't have to, but it can. Um, so the podcast is called Artifice. And I, I, I say it all the time. I partly picked that word because it has the word art in it. And I just think it's an interesting word. But also, I think the meaning of it is important to me. But I struggle to ask the question. Um, and, and I think like something you said a long time ago made me think of how I want to ask this question to you. So you were talking about, we, we've been talking about this different, this thing that's different. Like, what's my different? Mm-hmm. And I think when I'm asking artists about like, what is your like artifice thing, which to me, it's just, what's, what's the difference between what people see and what you see or what, you know, and that can be the relationship between whatever, it can be anything. But I think what I really want to know about with most people is like, what is that thing that's different about you that we wouldn't maybe necessarily know, but that, you know, that like, (laughs) you know, changes like how you work, changes how you think changes, like what's been going on with you. Um, so maybe I just want to, I just want to talk to you about how that like different thing, like whatever that thing is that's unique about your brain how do you feel now that that um, like functions in the background of like what you're doing? Yeah, it's, you know, it's very much an, an active participant in everything I do. You know, um, it's, uh, you know, it kind of makes me think of, I mean, it's funny because that creative difference that that always inhibits like the back of my mind when I see stuff or see a situation. Um, sometimes I think that that's just like another subconscious version of me where maybe it's a symbiote suit from Spider-Man or something, mm. but it's, it's always uh, active. I, everything I, everything I work on, all the people I work with at, at work, um, I'm constantly engaging them using this, the creative difference. Yeah. And, and being able to, you know, either using it to relate to somebody or explain something. Yeah. And that's, that's actually one of the most unique pieces. I think it's fascinating because people, so many people I know have an opinion or a point of view and they have a, they struggle to see an alternate point of view that, that, that seems, you know, um, realistic. That seems like should, should be valid. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, I do pretty good because I think this, this difference that I have, I, I use it partially to help them understand the other perspective. Yeah. Being, like if you're in this yeah. shoe, you know, it's not just simply saying, let's pretend you're them because then they, they still don't get it. Yeah. But it's a little bit of, because I pull out a little bit of storytelling, I right. tell a little bit of fiction, a little yeah. bit of what if, and then I tie it to a little bit of reality together. And then they're like, oh, I, I see that. I can yeah. understand that. Yeah. Whether or not they, they act on it, you know, that, that piece of our opinion, it's just interesting because I've taken a lot of, I work with people that have gotten like really worked up about um, a situation or, or a thought and they've been able to just simply say, you know, talk them through it. And then like afterwards they're super calm and going, Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And I think that's that different thing in my brain. And it's also (laughs) the thing that makes you a great writer. So, Mm -hmm. um, can you reflect on like, so, you know, again, with this question of, of artifice, I know it means like artificial and that's not what I mean. I just mean <laughs> like the things that people don't see, like, 
you know, whatever that is. And it, it's not maybe because you're trying to hide it. It might just be you like, I think sometimes the thing that's like hidden, it's, it's the thing we wish people would see, mm-hmm. but they can't see it because it's, it's different or it's, un, they don't suspect it or, you know, so, so I don't mean, I don't mean artificial. I just mean maybe that like the way that people look at you and see like your, the, your work, your mm-hmm. published work, the assumptions they make, that is artificial. Right. You know, that's more kind of what I'm, what I think. So can you just reflect on like, um, what the relationship or like how you feel about your work, your, your published books and stories and yourself, like, what do you see as like the, the distance or the relationship or the whatever, you know, insert whatever word makes sense. But Mm. like, what do you see as the whatever between your work and who you are? Yeah. Um, I really, I love, of course, all the pieces I put out there. And I, I think it reflects, each one kind of reflects a little, a little different piece of my personality, mm. a little piece of, of my soul, because I kind of put a little myself yeah. in each of these pieces. But it's kind of interesting because I, I feel like the only way, like people get to know me and, and people, you know, the more time you spend with somebody, you just naturally do. But uh, when you read like one of these works, you'll be like, oh, I kind of understand the author, but yeah. you really don't. Right. That's the, <laughs> ar- when, that's the artificial. Right. right. That's the, the assumption is the thing that's artificial. Right. Yeah. And, but when you start yeah. to, when you read all the stories, even though they're, they're different genres and different directions, that's when you can start piecing together better who they might really see. Mm. You know, the real mm-hmm. me is, mm. is back there, uh, but not, not, not super, super distant. Yeah. Like there, there's so many good pieces of me in there. Do you feel over time, like the relationship between who you are and what you make, it changes? Absolutely. How? I think, I think the more like partially because when you get older, the way you just view the world in general or the things you care about or the movies you cry at. Yeah. I do cry at some movies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, um, then it, it gives you a different kind of courage when you write. Yeah. Uh, you're able to expose something yeah. more sensitive about yourself. That's yeah. when you were younger, you could be bold. Hey, I want to let people yeah. know that this is how I felt growing yeah. up. But it's still like just a tiny story. And then now that I'm older, I'm like, okay, I feel like now I'm, I'm, I'm ready to share more of yeah. my deeper self with yeah. people into my writing. And I think that makes, of course, the writing better. I think it, because, because it feels, it doesn't feel forced, not that the other writing does, but it feels yeah. more genuine. What's well, that like humanity that you started with as a, as a 10 year old? Right. Exactly. Do you feel like the process of making art changes who you are? Yeah, absolutely. I think the more I write, the more um, I become even more conscious of things around me. And it's partially because um, partially because I, I'm very curious about things that I could write about. Mm. Partially because as the more I write, the more I, I seek to understand. Yeah. Seeking to understand myself. Yeah. Seeking to understand other people. Yeah. And then like I just want to know more yeah. about, about people. It's funny because people want to know more about history and events and places and I, and those are all really cool, but I really want to get to know people, yeah, because they are fascinating, yeah. And when you could 
just even capture a snap snapshot of a of a person in your book and it does yeah. really well like there's it's really powerful yeah how do you feel about like you know so you're putting yourself in your books but also you're getting better and better at putting other people in your books mm-hmm. how did how does that affect the relationship between art and artist for you you know yeah. like it's more you but it's less you it's more others like yeah and that's the that's the most fascinating piece to it, uh, I think, because I think the more we start to be able to capture other people, the more we, we learn about ourselves. Yeah. You know, partially the way we kind of thought somebody was thinking before or what they might have been going through. Now we understand a little bit better because, of course, when you write a character and you immerse yourself in the character and you're thinking like the character, then all of a sudden you're, you're like, I understand this perspective right. so much better. Yeah. It's an exercise in empathy. Exactly. Yeah. And so I do, I, I mean, cause you're right. I start to write uh, other people into it and they're very strong. Yeah. And, but it does, it gives that like at the same time, it's suddenly a new piece of myself. I'm like, I didn't know. Yeah. That's that there. so interesting. <laughs> I love that. That's why like, I never know how to ask this question because it's, it's just different for everybody. But yeah, so like it's it's a loop. Mm-hmm. Like you put more of yourself in your books, you observe, and then, you know, maybe you feel more confident, you're observing more, you're less, uh, you know, inward thinking and, and more outward thinking. And mm-hmm. then as that outwardness, like you have to filter it through yourself in order to write it. And then you're like, I have this thing that I didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. And that's like this kind of meta, like, artifice that I'm talking about (laughs) with like, you know, the art is the, the art is the maker of the art. The art is the artist. The artist is the art. Then what else? Like, I mean, like, I think it's people, it's, it's fairly easy for people to imagine that the artist has a relationship with their art. It's kind of easy for people to imagine that the art then has a relationship back with the artist. But I'm so curious about these other things. Like how does the process of it change you? Like what else gets in there? And I love this idea that you're observing other people. You're trying to capture, you know, someone else's essence in your book. And then as you're doing that, you're developing new parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. That's such a beautiful idea. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the way that the process of you, one person making art, makes you like become like a more. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about anything we've talked about or art in general or creativity? Just you seem like you're a thoughtful man. So is there <laughs> anything else while you have this platform yeah, you want to um, say? Uh, you know, if you're ready to take a chance or if you've taken a little bit of a chance, you know, find like-minded people and it will help you grow. Yeah. You know, there are, it's funny that whole time that I was writing my first book and I was in Utah, there were amazing writing groups and conferences and support groups that I had no idea. Mm. I didn't know what they were. Yeah. And, and if I'd had them, I might've developed even faster. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and there was that time when I was getting all those rejections. If I'd had those people around me, they would say, this is completely normal. And (laughs) don't worry, don't, don't be concerned until you're 1000th. No. (laughs) Yeah. But kind of, but kind of, yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. And, and now that I'm here uh, and I'm so fortunate 
having all those experiences though, going through that exact path is what's let me have the opportunity to, to be on the, all the nonprofits I do, mm -hmm. right. To help so many people who are just now developing their skills or finding their paths. And then, you know, to, to let them know that it doesn't, the path to success doesn't have to lead through, it doesn't have to lead through college. Right. You know, I'm, I've accomplished yeah. so much and people are like, how did you do this without yeah. a degree? A matter of fact, a lot of people assume I have one. Yeah. You can do anything you put your mind yeah. to because people are so powerful. Yeah. One of the things I, I tell people, uh, my favorite aircraft growing up as a kid was an SR-71, which is a spy plane. And on the, on the ground, it would leak fluid and it would be uncomfortable to look at. <laughs> but when it flew, it was this amazing thing that could fly faster than any other aircraft mm. and it would grow three to four inches and it wouldn't leak because it was designed that way. Mm. And for us as people, we're exactly, our potential is that air, wow, aircraft. I love that. Right. Yeah. When we, when we sit on the ground, when we, um, don't use our talents, we're just sitting on yeah. the ground, just leaking yeah. resources and, yeah, and yeah, talent. Yeah. But you won't know until you, once you, once you try, you get up into the air and you're really trying, yeah. something magical happens. You'll find this perfect place yeah. and it clicks. Yeah. And it's tough because it's not easy. You know, it's not easy getting to that clicking point because there are the struggles all the yeah. way up. But that's the one thing I love to share with people. Everybody has that potential. Yeah. I believe it exactly like, like yeah. you do. It's there. It's just... Yeah. Let's embrace it. And let's be creative about what makes it happen. Like yeah. who do you need to be around? What is your personal, like, what is, what is something that is unique about your brain? Then what can you do to like make it functional? Then like what kinds of relationships, you know, with people, with places, like with thoughts are going to like feed back in and like, keep your creative engine like having like input output um yeah and then I, you, I like those ideas the, the thing that i love is when i was a kid i didn't think i'd ever write for the 49ers right yeah. i loved watching them on tv with my dad yeah. yeah huge joe montana steve young fan yeah never thought i'd have that opportunity i never thought i mean i always wanted to publish a book but there was always doubts because there was a lot of people yeah. who said that's really hard to do yeah you know, they tried to, they, they, I think they thought they were trying yeah. to be nice to l let yeah. me down in case it doesn't happen. Yeah. It's the wrong approach. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> it's not productive, but you, but you never know. Suddenly, you know, even five years ago, I tell people five years ago, if people said, um, who's, who's Jared Kwan, they're like, oh, well, if I Google him, he did this one book one time, you know, he maybe he wrote for Yahoo and sports illustrated, but he was yeah. just off to the side. Yeah. But, but now, you know, I've gotten to like, you know, eat lunch with the governor yeah, yeah, and yeah. got to be on, on your podcast and Aww, got to be on you. Brandon Sanderson's podcast yeah. and got to, you know, um, hang out with people like Johnny Worthen or Charlie Nick, uh, Holmberg, you know, all yeah. these amazing people that would five years ago, if I would have told myself, this is, this is yeah. your future. Yeah. I would have said, yeah. that's not going to be a yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. But I think like the thing that I want to like add to that story is like, you were working that whole time. Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't maybe anything that you could Google or that would point people to, to say like this 
man is because it's not like you are a different person now. Right. Like you, you have the same, you had the same creative potential. You were doing the same things like internally, um, that same, all that same creativity was so active. So, you know, like I, I think it's really important for creatives and people in general to hear like, you know, you never know what that future thing is. Like, you know, it, it's so easy in hindsight to look back and see like how all of your choices brought you to this like successful point or like a goal point. But like, you have to also remember to think forward, you know, and like you maybe weren't thinking of it like that because it's just in your nature to be right. active. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's one thing to say like, oh, well, look at me now. Um, but like, you know, someone who's saying, look at him now should also go like, look at me now. What am I doing? Am I like working on my creative craft? What am I building that like will allow me to someday say, look at me now. Look at me now, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the, and the more you share your gift, the more you're rewarded. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. The more you're rejected too. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's rejection. both. <laughs> the more you share, the more you're rewarded and the more you're totally rejected. Yep. I, those are badges of honor. <laughs> yeah. And some days they feel better than other days. Yep. <laughs> um, okay, great. So I, I like to ask people at the end, at this moment in time, what's your dream project or your dream collaboration? Oh, my dream collaboration. Whichever oh, is more interesting to you. That is. Go there. Boy, that is a. Uh, that is a fascinating uh, question. I think, I mean, there's so many people that would be amazing to do a collaboration with. Yeah. But I think when it comes to uh, overall, I want to I take on uh, a big project. I want to take on like a, a, a legitimate, like in-depth, like memoir that could inspire people. Mm. Yeah. You know, that, that they could read through this and go, if if he got through this, then then we can get through this, and that's so so tough. Yeah. I've heard so many people say they start those, yeah, and then they're like, it's too much because it's yeah. a a lot of your soul goes. It's unlike these pieces, mm, it's yeah. a lot of you in there. Well, I would be interested to see you write a memoir that can try to capture some of those, like how you made it through those funnel points, because I really think like. I think being creative is easy enough. I mean, it's not easy, mm -hmm. but it's easy enough. It feels good. Being creative is rewarding. Doing all that other stuff is not always. Right. You know, like the stuff that allows you to be able to keep being creative. I think that stuff, I would like to see more people talking about it and trying to help people with it. So, I mean... Write your memoir however you want. <laughs> but all I'm saying is you have my vote of confidence because you've definitely like you've gone through so, so many of those little points where a lot of people would stop. Um, but maintained creativity the whole time and maintained creative resilience, which is just it's awesome. So <laughs> good for you. Um, and then the last thing is tell people where to find you. Oh, yeah. You can find me at uh, jaredquan.com. Uh, you know, um, a lot of people can find me through LinkedIn as well. 
it's kind of funny. Uh, I use that to let people know about other projects that I work on or am working on because yeah. I love to make help yeah. people get connected Good. with other groups and opportunities. That's amazing. I love it. JaredQuan.com? Yep. Thank you so much for being here. It well, was such a you. joy to meet you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.